Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi everyone, it's the halfway point of the FPL season. Uh, it's been up and down to say the least, mostly down <laughs> for me, slightly better for Mark. Um, it's episode 18. How you doing, Mark? I'm all right. I'm pretty, pretty good, I've got to say. Um, bench boost was uh, an unmitigated disaster, certainly a fail, but <laughs> luckily my first 11 more than made up for it. So I was it sure I was very- did. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It feels like we're beyond halfway, doesn't it? It almost, I don't know. It, and we're not even that really, because most, I mean, some teams have played at least a couple of games. So, mm. um, but it does feel that, you know, we're over that stage. But when you think about it, there's such a long way to go that um, all to play for, all to play for. It feels it? like, you know, you know, purgatory. It feels like we're in like a constant purgatory. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's because it's relentless anyway. football, isn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. I think we said before we came on that we'd take this week on, weekend off, pretend to our partners that we're actually, you know, well, let's take a break from the football for this weekend, not <laughs> telling them that, of course, it's FA Cup and it doesn't really matter, and then knowing that there's Tuesday and Wednesday to come. It has been hard work, though, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it does feel like it. It's, um, I'm looking forward because I think we've got a few days of kind of a lot of games at the same time again and not just is every game being staggered mm. you know game and then another game and another game i think it's the it's the is it the weekend it's either the the weekday the game week before or after my birthday i think we've got a big set of fixtures all all at the same time i know um Gianni's excited over at fantasy scout because he does the match day oh, yeah. thing so he's got like six yeah. or seven games on the go at once yeah. so yeah i'm kind of looking forward to having that again it's um, I, I do it's feel, nice to see some points coming in at once i do feel for Gianni when he gets like wolves burnley and that's the only game on and i think blimey <laughs> i mean i can talk fbl for a long time but i don't know if i could do wolves burnley for a, no, no, painful yeah but uh, yeah get get him some good games that's what i say mm. um right tonight 
what I thought we'd do is uh, we do a little bit of a retrospective, as we promised, um, with the focus on you, because um, as we can see on the screens, the ranks are, are quite far apart now and there's quite a gap between us. Um, although you're in the top million. Top million for the first time. Well, well, <laughs> Come on. Perhaps until tomorrow when 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 you might go yeah. back out of it again. Um, but yeah, in the top million. And, and um, bring it back <laughs> down to earth. And, and, you know, it's interesting to see where our season's kind of deviated. We've got mm. a little bit of a focus on that. We'll talk a bit about your transfers around a certain time and maybe a captain's as well. But also tonight, I want to just look back at the season so far in terms of the top performers. So I've got some tables on the top keepers, midfielders, defenders and forwards. And just talk through that and see what, you know, see if anyone surprised us in there. But also talk about the current situation with the De Bruyne injury, of course. So we'll look at particular mm-hmm. midfielders. And tonight, Vardy. I mean, the thing is, I was preparing for tonight when I just happened to see the red flag on Vardy. I'm like, what mm. is this? I had to kind of redo a lot of the screens because we had Vardy in the captain matrix and so on. So he's he's out for a few weeks as well, isn't he? So it's yeah. Difficult. And and the big question is, what does that mean for Leicester? Because they haven't got. I mean, you look at you look at teams without a replacement for their kind of main striker. You can see City struggling to score goals without Aguero there. You look at Spurs if you took Kane out and who have they got? I mean, they've got um, Vincentius now, who who at least is scoring in the cup and stuff. But you know, before they've had Lorente and. Um, who's the other guy they had there for ages? The, yeah, the uh, Dutch guy, didn't they? What was his the name? The Dutch guy, yeah. Oh, he slips my mind. Chat. He played He played so often that he slipped my mind. Someone on it. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll say it straight away. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's you know you take you take Vardy out of, of Leicester and who have they got, Ian Acho or Janssen? There you go, someone in the chat. Yes. Janssen, right. of course. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so what so what does that mean? And, you know, Vardy has, has kind of changed his game a little bit and, and, you know, what he does now is I think he brings other players into the game a lot more, which is why you're seeing Madison getting further forward, Barnes getting further forward, even players like Tielemans and everyone. So with him out, I don't really know. It makes Leicester a bit less attractive, I think. And my immediate thought is Maddie's on penalties. Is he? I, I think Tielemans I, takes them, doesn't he? I think Madison will take them. Does he? Tielemans take them? I, I think when Madison's on the pitch, uh, Ian Acho took one at Palace and Madison wasn't playing and Ian Acho missed it. So I don't think he'd be no. on them. You think Tielemans T- will take it? Well, Tielemans has taken them when they've all been on the pitch. And really? according, to, according to the uh, fancy scout and, and the set piece takers, okay, it's, so it won't it's, be Tiel- Madison. it's Tielemans. No, Madison it's has taken a penalty before for Leicester when Lavardi hasn't played uh, in a previous season. But I don't, don't know when the last one was. That's interesting. I mean, mm. that... I mean, given the four Madison's in, he might be on them, but I wouldn't get him then on the basis that he could be on penalties. But another player who, we, as a result of the KDB injury, is my good. favourite player in all the Madison. world. Yeah. Uh, not, I thought you were going to say that about Gundogan, because before the show, you kind of said something different about Gundogan. I, yeah, I, I, I've got to stop like nailing my colours to the mast about all these players so early. Yeah. I, Gundogan just annoys me. He just His face and his general person annoys me. Okay. But, yeah. I do think he is. Um, he's becoming uh, someone to actually consider. I think. I mean, his his face is a sound reason not to consider him for your fancy team. He exactly. looks a lot like Bernardo Silva, according to a certain BT Sport uh, commentator. I don't know if you saw. That. <laughs> yeah, oh, bless him. Uh, it's. Uh, he, did you see? He, he posted as well, didn't he? Saying pretty much, "Can you all stop having a go at me?" <laughs> did he really? <laughs> yeah, he's. Like, I'm, he... I'm the only human. I make mistakes. It's, like, it's yeah, just I the know. fact that he went. 
um, silver. And then he did it again when the, when the camera went in close. And I mean, it was wet and he had a beard and I could see it. But yeah, the thing is, one, we, we never get we never get things wrong, do we, Mark? So no, we, not at know, all. We are, no, we're perfect. No, we're absolutely perfect. Um, but I would say Gundogan and Madison are obviously two players we've got to talk about tonight. Yeah. Um, in light of sure. the De Bruyne injury. Um, and Vardy, yeah, I don't think anyone would be looking to Inacho. I mean, it's, it's a budget option, but I think we anticipate that they're going to be more reliant on Madison and Barnes for goals with, um, with Vardy out. I mean, Barnes, I mean, Barnes did play down the middle once with Vardy. I out was thinking that these. as well. Yeah. I was wondering if he might. So I might wonder whether there's, the there's legs in that um, because... Uh, it's, 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 yeah, we'll have to see, but there's uncertainty. And, and for once, I think it's a good thing because I think I do hate it when we settle into the template. And I did like the double game weeks and the wild cards for mixing that up. And now we've got two significant injuries. And I think if you've got one or both of those players, you've got to look at it as an opportunity to go, well, actually, now I can take some risks. I can go for some players that perhaps others don't have. Whereas normally at the moment, when you do that, you get punished. Whereas when you've got players like De Bruyne and Vardy out, obviously Vardy to Kane is an obvious move. Perhaps De Bruyne to Son is as well. But maybe we can take some risks. So we'll look at that as we go through yeah, as well. You know, it's, I, I, I said it to you a few weeks ago. Obviously, you don't wish injuries on anyone, but I kind of feel like it's one of the reasons why like it's, it feels a lot harder this season. Because I think in, in previous seasons, we've had quite big injuries to players and it's forced people to kind of use their kind of tactical mouse a bit to you know bring in players who've got a good run or whatever but because there hasn't really been any I mean Jimenez was probably the most significant mm. injury but other than that I don't really think there's been too many big big injuries it's forced people's hands and that's when you see you know when a big injury that happens that's when you might see the more casual to use that horrible word player go for some just looking at the point scorers go oh look there's Lee Catamol five million I'll bring him in he'll do well and then, you know, other people be like, oh, well, I'm actually going to look at the stats and I'm going to bring in James Madison because he's and all that. And that's hopefully when you start kind of going, you know, rising up the rank. But it's weird in a season where we've had so many games and all this stuff and, and things. There hasn't really been that that player who's been out for a long time with, who'd been so highly owned, which I think is different to previous seasons. Yeah. And, I, and the thing is as well, with De Bruyne out and Liverpool, is it... We can't use the C word. We can't use the crisis word, can we? But by their, <laughs> by their standards... You're <laughs> your their, filthy mouth, Mark. Yeah, I know. It's possible. <laughs> that stream we did. Um, by their <laughs> standards, it is... Well, I mean, it's not far off a crisis. I mean, Liverpool fans probably would say it is. is. With four games without a goal. I mean, that is crazy. Uh, we talked about them a lot, so we're not going to dwell on them too much. But with Salah suddenly, you know, do you back in for the captaincy? You haven't got De Bruyne anymore. Vardy's not an option. That's three of the heavy hitters out, almost out the equation for the captaincy. And when we look at the captain matrix later on, it's pretty threadbare. So again, perhaps there's options to take a risk on a captaincy as well. So this this could be a really interesting period of the season. Just as we get jaded and pretend uh, we don't (laughs) want football, we have to start showing even more interest. Let's look at your game week then. Um, We've got to do it. Sorry, Az. It wasn't that bad. I mean, 84 points. um, Far from disastrous, but it could have been a lot better, I guess. Um, And I think the clean sheet wipeout last night against Burnley really did hurt you, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Unexpected as well. It did. I mean, you know, I went into that game with three Liverpool players, Robertson, Trent, Salah. Uh, you know, Salah was benched. Okay, I took that on the chin. He's my captain. But, you know, I still thought Robertson and Trent, they get the clean sheet. 
there's probably something in it for them, an assist or, or whatever. And to come away from that game for six points from those three players at home to Burnley is, you know, it, it's just awful. And it, it's just another like average game week. And this is the problem I'm having. None of my game weeks seem to be particularly bad, but everyone just seems to be hitting 110, 120 points this week. Um, and I've just managed to, I mean, getting in, in Antonio was, was, was my, was my best move, probably my best move this season. Um, that just felt really obvious to me, uh, you know, given Calvert-Lewin didn't have a game and, and Antonio did and he was back from injury and then they just sold Halle. There were so many reasons to, to mm. kind of go for him. Um, in fact, what what the, the the main thing, and I'm annoyed with myself because, you know, I only had the one City player. Um, getting in Stones or, or Diaz, um, even for a hit, I could have done uh, and played him over Bamford. And we're going to talk about Leeds in a, later because... That, come on, I nailed, I nailed that, didn't I? <laughs> One nil, oh, Brighton. The, pre- the prediction, yeah. Oh, well, okay. You can talk about it. I'll, I'll, I'll have a loo break at that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, you can drink every time I mention it for anyone listening, because um, yeah, yeah I was I was pretty pleased with that. But yeah, and, you know, if considering that I, I thought Brighton would would win that, I, I could have been a bit braver. But the the thing I was really considering, the thing I was really really close to doing, um, was actually Rafinha to Foden. And I didn't do it. And in the end, it was the right move, which is kind of amazing. Mm. I think Bamford blanked and, and Foden only got four points. So, you know, it, you know, it was actually the right thing not to do it. But I'm, I'm looking at my team now and I'm thinking, why didn't I just do Eiling to Stones or Diaz? Because I could have afforded either. Gone for the double up and that would have been, you know, 15, 16 points gained. So, yeah, I'm a bit annoyed with myself about that. But the good thing, though, the positive thing is that I was right in not using any chips. I didn't use the bench boost and I didn't use a triple captain and pretty much everyone that used it, I think will be disappointed uh, unless you had Arsenal players who I know some people did, but yeah, disappointing. I think for or, or James Justin or someone like that, but the majority of people who I've seen were, were disappointed with the chips. Yeah. I I've seen a few good bench boosts about um, mainly with, you know, they, they've got West Ham players on the bench um, and they're playing Kane or they're playing Bamford because Heart of Hearts, they would have been first choice starters and over West Ham assets. So you can be, you can do some jiggery pokery to make your bench look stronger by saying, "Oh no, I definitely would have played Bamford over Souther yeah, yeah. and stuff like that." <laughs> you, you you can do that and go, "Oh yeah, well I got twenty eight for my bench boost because Souther's on my bench." But I I didn't have that option. I had um, all my Leeds players on the bench. So I mean, let's let's have a look at my bench boost. Um, yeah, Rodrigo, Bamford, Rafina, and Johnston. Obviously, it started brilliantly with Johnston. Struck down by COVID, unbeknownst to me, um, didn't turn up for the first game, but they you know, they conceded two goals at, uh, at Wolves anyway, didn't they? So perhaps he wouldn't have got the clean sheet. I don't think Button could have done much with the goals as it was. So Johnston probably wouldn't have done any better. Um, but the Leeds fixture, you predicted, you called it, you went 1-0, uh, Brighton will win it. And I, I just didn't see that at all. Until I saw the first few minutes of the game mm-hmm. uh, and, and the fact that no one could pass the ball for more than three or four passes without losing control of it and or run with it. It was one of the worst pitches in Premier League yeah, sometime. Um, but yeah. Brighton managed to you know, circumvent that and play some football and got the goal. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, you know, Brighton and Leeds both play similar kind of styles. Um you know, I think you know you, you could argue that Leeds play a higher intensity, yeah. But but Brighton still play like a nice slick passing style. They they match yeah. Leeds for energy, and they were playing on the same pitch. So I don't I don't believe that it was purely the pitch that that meant Leeds 
you know, there's people talking about like Brighton didn't, you know, didn't deserve to win and it was all down to the pitch. Brighton played brilliantly. Um, and when I saw the, the Brighton lineup, I actually kind of thought, oh, there's no way Brighton are going to win this one nil because Basuma wasn't there, mm. Tower wasn't there. And I thought Leeds are probably going to get out some of these players, but everyone stepped up. And I thought it was, it was the best Brighton performance I've seen in a long, long time. Really nice goal, defended excellently throughout the game, limited Leeds chances, limited all the build-up play. Yeah, I was I was really really happy watching that game as a as a Brighton fan, and um, yeah, I was thinking of you because uh, obviously three three Leeds players. In that the thing is though, I'm surprised the bench boost is interesting because I look at your team and I think you've essentially bench boosted in a single game week, really, because you've bench boosted three single game week players. Um, yeah, the only the only fit the thing that tipped me over was Johnston having two games. Mm-hmm. I looked at it and thought, okay. When am I going to have a keeper with two matches, a decent keeper as well with two matches, again, and we're, and in the same week that I have three attacking players? It's not like one of those is defenders as well. Right? They're three Leeds attackers in a match where I'd expect Leeds to get a couple of goals, right? So that's why I did it because I look ahead and think, well, I'll probably sell Johnston if I need money. But then, you know, I'm been I didn't know that De Bruyne would get injured, and I don't need money probably now, but. I did at the time. I was thinking, well, I'm not mm. going to probably hold on to Johnston. I'll probably pay play Pope every game week, or I'll get rid of both of them and get a cheaper keeper. Um, I'm going to hold them both for a while because they rotate all right. But I, with the guy with the wild card in 25, which is probably when I play it into 25, I'll I'll cheapen up the goalkeepers. I expect depending on the fixtures. Um, I just didn't see me having a bench between now and 25 that would warrant the bench boost. And of course, in Going into 25, our wild card for the double game week in 26. But with that wild card that I play, I'll need to prepare my bench for game week 29 when there are blanks. And I think there's talk already. Ben Krellin said that it's likely that um, Burnley, Villa, Everton, these these are the teams that could have a double and play in 29. So if it is, you know, Villa and Spurs, that's not too bad. I can have some bench players that are pretty decent, hopefully. Certainly Villa, because they're in the mid-price bracket. Mm. Um, so I just didn't think I'd have another bench like this. But then if I'd have known Johnston was out and only played one game, I may not have done it because then it would be all four single game weekers and I could have that. So you bench boosted for the West Brom goalkeeper? I I, I generally thought that West Brom (laughs) would get a clean sheet in one of the games. I thought Wolves and West Ham, if Big Sam can do his magic, I I prefer West Brom away than I do at home actually just because they can unashamedly defend, whereas at home I think they feel a little bit obliged to offer something and then get caught out. So I thought that they would get a clean sheet in one of them. It didn't work out that way, of course. Um, but, it, you know, Johnson didn't play two games anyway. And I and I thought Johnson, if he got a clean sheet, might get some bonus. You know, I thought he would get me seven, eight points over the two games. But he only played one and he didn't deliver. Like all the other goalkeepers that seem to play in the... They'll go with Schmeichel and Pope and... I mean, Martinez will probably get. Pick up yeah, they all did well. He's got yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's, but it, I mean, but, it's very hard. It's very hard to mock you when you know looking at the ranks on the screen. It's um, yeah, and kind of takes away from it a bit. <laughs> and the eleven did well. And I ought to thank you for James Justin because if you remember last show, last episode, uh, or was it the stream? I yeah, it was last episode. I mocked you for giving me that awful advice that instead of getting Son in, I got rid of. Reese James and got Justin. I'm not happy with that. Not only did you and mock me, I, I put up the bloody WhatsApp conversation on the screen. It was like, oh, you dare to look yeah, at that. 14 bit, points. Not great. Not great. I'm not proud of myself, to be honest. But, you know, I, <laughs> I felt like I had to out you because I felt 
I felt like I needed to share the the mistake, the blame. If you'd listened to me about blame. Brighton as well, you wouldn't have bench boosted, and you sat yeah. down no, the bank as well. No one bought into that one nil Brighton thing. Um, but should have done. Yeah, look at Justin. <laughs> Justin got me fourteen points. I think Reese James got what a total of one point over the I know. double game week. So James, I mean, two clean sheets for Leicester. Though bloody, I was not expecting that. Yeah. I thought Chelsea would would get something from that game. To lose that game is really bad for them and, and Lampard. Mm. So 127 all out. You've still got Martinez Strong. tomorrow, so you might not go down. You might you might stay in that top one million. I think Martinez will do well. I mean, he should get a clean sheet against Newcastle at home, shouldn't he? He hopes he thinks so. Yeah. Come on. Um, okay. Um, so that's that's where we are for the game. We're pretty pleased with that. Let's look at the. God, great- that's a that's a big score. Man. I mean, that's forty what forty three points more than me. Yeah, it's just my second highest game week, uh, second best game week rank of the season. So. I've got to say the wild card didn't start off very well because I had that terrible week when Son punished me, but then it's gone back here. So mm. in the end, I think, I mean, that team is a wild card team. I used the wild card to get that team in and I, I did well with some of the picks. Obviously, um, you helped yep. me with Justin, but Pope, I must or say. Pope. We'll talk about Pope. I know, Pope. Yeah, we see? mocked you. We mocked you for Pope and... I mean, bloody eleven points against Liverpool away. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be the other way round. To be honest, I thought he might get something in the first game, but not at Liverpool. But at West Ham, I thought he might get something there. But it was an extraordinary game, wasn't it? And and the thing is, that's it's funny when when you own Pope, and I haven't owned Pope for a long time. You realise how good he is because you end up watching the game, mm. and you know when you're watching your keeper or your defenders, and you think you're nervous and you're anxious watching Pope against Liverpool. I was like. He's as assured as it comes. Like every, you know, coming yeah. for the ball, the way he saves, it's like everything's under control. There's no rash decisions. Everything's calm. I'd realised how good a keeper he is. And before owning him, I wouldn't have noticed that because you don't put him under scrutiny. You you definitely, when you own a player, put their their performance under a bit more scrutiny. And having watched that, I'm like, how is Pickford in the England goal still? I think Granville no, posted this up. He's ridiculous. Yeah, there's a there's a big gap between Pickford and Pope, in my opinion. Now, just for just for the aura, just for the confidence yeah. he gives out, he is he's grown since I last owned him. I mean, I last yeah, owned him yeah. probably a couple of seasons ago when he first broke through. So he's uh, yeah, I'm very pleased of owning him. And and the irony now is that when I pulled him in on the wild card, I thought I'd probably have to get rid of him quite soon because he's too expensive to hold. But because De Bruyne is injured and we've got money again. I think people will be getting Pope now because we don't yeah. need to save money anymore. So I actually think Pope's going to stick around for me, um, certainly to the 25 wildcard anyway. Can I also say, though, that mm-hmm. I also called the Liverpool struggling against Burnley that you said would be did an you? easy Liverpool win. I did. I, I, I predicted one all. Right. Well, we're going to get checked really on there. these predictions from now on. Yeah, we are. As of tonight... Yep. We are getting the predictions logged. And what's he going to do? Is he going to do like a Mark versus as head-to-head thing, is he? Uh, I think so. So the guy doing it is, is FPL Pot Noodle. So an, an excellent FPL an F, excellent FPL tag. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I've asked him to start last week because uh, it's never oh, getting what, any better now. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will never get any better than that. I thought you were serious then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so just, I mean, you, you've always been quite vocal that you didn't want it to be um, to be tracked, but I think we need to be held accountable a little bit. So I think it's quite nice that someone's... someone's right. well, when this goes belly up, I just want it known and on record that this was your idea. <laughs> you endorse it. Okay, so when we're humiliated for other reasons other than FBL, it'll be down to We've you. We've just got to 
to beat Loro. As long as we beat Loro, it's it's all right. Yeah, he just goes 2-0 and 1-1 all the time, doesn't he? So he does. Yeah, he's simple, very boring. Simple. Yeah. Um, okay, great and a good. Quick look at this because um, FBL General fly in. He had an, another fantastic game week. He took an eight-point hit, but he came in with 124, so 116. And he is now up to 2-4, in the world. Um, and unless he starts having bad game weeks, I'm never going to catch him. But, you know, I, I was I was about 30 points behind him at one point, but now it's up to 60, 70-odd. So he's out of sight at the moment. So I'm focused on chasing down Magnus Carlsen, our friend Magnus, who's um, only five points ahead of me, uh, and Sean Tobin, who's overtaken me again. So it's ne- it's been nip and tuck uh, with with Sean. Uh, I've left Tom Freeman behind now. I'm 60 points ahead of him. So Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so. half the great and the good is in the top 100k and then the other half is, is you know, below sort of 350k and, and lower. So it's mm. it's quite a quite a gap now opening up between the the, the top half and the bottom half. There is. Um, but eight, was it eight or nine of the uh, great and the good went up this this week? Only two went down and there were only minor drops. Eight rides got lucky, didn't he? With stones. Did he? See that? Oh, he had Stones and uh, Diaz, didn't he? Um, yeah. Stones and Diaz, everyone else. Was no there... one else got any points for him, really. Tell, tell me, As was there any reaction to the Stones brace on Twitter? I didn't see anything. Was there, were there a few tweets? I'm not. I'm really, really <laughs> not happy about Stones getting all those points. Firstly, because I always planned to get him in this week. Yeah. Because uh, I, I wanted Trent for the for his two games, and then I thought I'd, I'd stop him for Stones. And I did an article just before this, and I said, I know. You know based on price, the, the, the uh, Stones versus Diaz, I'd get Stones now because I don't think there's much. There's, there's not enough in it to justify like a 0.8 or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. Thing. But like we said, if money's no object, if you if you could literally pick any Man City defenders, it's Cancelo one, it's Diaz second, and it's Stones third. And it like still is. is. It still is. Isn't it's, it? it's yeah. Well, it well it, yeah. It is with yeah with money no object. Yeah, definitely. Because because Diaz's attacking stats are miles clear of of Stones's. Yeah, but not just that. I I do think that Diaz plays every game without a doubt. And I'll be really saying that Ake is never going to play in the Premier League again this season. Surely not. Surely he's going to get one or two games before the end of the season. And if he does play one or two games, which who's making way, Stones or Diaz? It won't be Diaz. I mean, Diaz mm. might get a rest at some point. He might miss one game, maybe two of our Champions League games. But I would say when the Champions League kicks off again, Stones, if he is first choice, will get rested more often on, you know, more often in the Premier League. Right? So at that point, when the Champions League comes in, I don't think Stones will be stronger than Diaz. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think he can risk not playing Diaz. Um, point eight, think, though. Do you, do, you, do you think there's point eight? Means nothing now, though, does it? With De Bruyne out, so for well, that, that I mean that's true. Matter. But I, I, I would still have Cancelo and Diaz as first choice. I think. I mean, the argument is, and we mentioned this on the last show. Should should we go all three of them? And I did toy yeah. with that on the wild card. Um, but. We'll talk a bit more about that when we talk about Gundogan. Andre Reed in the chat says, "As is always, would have, should have." Well, yeah. When you're nine hundred k, a million in the world, of course you would have, should have. <laughs> of course, I should have got stones in. <laughs> it would but have really the, helped. It's the fact that you you write articles and you give you give advice, and and I found this quite a lot, and and then you don't for some reason follow it through yourself. Um, well, I've got, I've got an one. answer for it. I've got an answer for it. I mean, you, you know, you you write advice and you write articles and you talk stuff about as if you've got a clean slate. Like it's quite easy to say, you know, get double city defense, get in Gundu and get that. But if your team doesn't like lend itself to that strategy, then it's a lot harder. So, I mean, for me this week, it would have been taking out Eiling for Stones for a hit and not playing Bamford. 
And I mean, I know that um, I know I, I backed Brighton to win, but Leeds could have scored in that game. I wasn't I wasn't like a hundred percent certain that Brighton were going to win it. I still thought Leeds could score in that game. Bamford's likely to be involved. He's on penalties. It seemed like quite a big risk to take him out. Mm. You know, for a defender for a hit, even though it was a double game week. So I don't know. It's it's, it's one of those ones where. You know, you I, I can give advice and I can I can say kind of you know what I what I think is best and stuff. But at the same time, it doesn't always mean I'm going to do exactly what I say because sometimes it's it's not easy to to do. It's like if I said to get in Madison, if I'd wanted to get in Madison, I would it would have been a minus eight. You know, if you're advising me, if you're advising me, should I get Madison for a minus eight? It's it's a more difficult of conversation. It, of course it is. I think if. You know, if you had a wild card every week, um, you would do these things. You would you would follow your own advice. But it, it it is difficult. You want to give the advice that is kind of universal, but when you look at your own exactly. team, completely different. Exactly. Theory. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay, this will cheer you up. We're gonna look at how our seasons have fared in terms of overall rank <laughs> and, and how they've come apart. So we're showing sorry about this on the podcast because you won't be able to obviously see the graph that we've got on the screen. But effectively what we're showing is a graph that plots our ranks throughout the season. And what it does show is up until game week eight stroke nine, well in fact up until nine stroke ten, we followed almost an identical pattern. Yes, I was slightly ahead of you and the gap opened up a bit around game week three and four. But you had a bad game week and I had a good game week, almost in parallel, up until between game weeks eight and nine. So, and then there came a point at game week 10 where you went one way, as in your rank just went into the uh, 1.6 millions, 1.7 million. And I went down into the top half a million. So we went our separate ways around game week 10. But even after that, if you look at the pattern the lines are showing, we followed similar patterns ever since in terms of having good weeks bad weeks um but it's just that period around game weeks 9 10 11 where we went our separate ways and um so i kind of wanted to have a look at maybe what this was what caused it um because it is strange because at one point in game week seven you were what uh, game week eight you were about four points behind me i overtook you at one point during a game week yeah yeah and then you you came back in Oh, this is fun! Thanks for this. Yeah, month. well, Lovely. you know, just, nice graph. This is the purpose of <laughs> this is the purpose of the show, really, to kind of have a look to see if we can find out what the issues were. Um, so I started looking at transfers around that time, and also the captaincy around that time. And I think you know we're looking in the particular game weeks ten and eleven, uh, nine, ten, and eleven, maybe. Um, and around that time, um, so game week nine, I uh, brought in Fernandez and De Bruyne for a hit and De Bruyne being the crucial player ahead of some good fixtures. And I got rid of Salah and Son, so a big heavy hitter swap there. Um, I think Fernandes and De Bruyne had good fixtures coming up and I wanted De Bruyne for the captaincy. Mm. Um, around the same time, you also brought in Fernandes for Salah. I think Salah missed a game, didn't he, as well? Yeah, that was um, fine. Yeah. Well. Uh, and then I think the crucial transfers were in game week 10 when you brought in Vardy for Kane and Mares for Grealish. And then if we look at the table below, in game weeks 10 and 11, you captain Vardy and you captain Mares. And at the same time, I captain De Bruyne. And Vardy got you 10 points. Mares got you eight. Whereas over those two game weeks, De Bruyne got me 48. So it was me getting De Bruyne and you not getting De Bruyne and getting Mares in particular that caused the swing. And we kind of felt that at the time. 
and also the Vardy for Kane thing didn't work out as strongly. You only kept him for a couple of game weeks, Vardy. Um, Mahrez stuck around. Well, the week I sold him was when he got his biggest hole of the season, I think. Right. That's so, fun. So not getting De Bruyne, really, for those two games where I got 48 points out of him. So I, between game weeks 8 and 15, I got 34 more points from the captain than you. Mm. And up until that point, we've more or less copied each other for yeah. the captaincy. And in fact, after this, just to be fair to you, in the four game weeks afterwards, you beat me over the captaincies and got 22 of those points back. So I didn't have a great run with the captaincy after this, just to balance it out a bit. But looking back, looking back to that period, <laughs> do you do you kind of fo- do you think about that Marvez Vardy uh, transfer as a, as an error, and, and what do you put that down to? It's 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 really frustrating because you know you're you're. You, you play FPL to kind of back yourself and, and to do things your way and to trust your gut and all these things. And I'd always thought of, of getting De Bruyne in, but it, it hit a point when I just thought he seems really reliant on penalties this year. The fact he hadn't scored from open play, the fact that Aguero wasn't there, um, I kind of felt that, you know, maybe paying 12 million for him when in previous seasons he'd been 9.5 maybe wasn't the most, the best use of my money. Um, and so I thought, I looked at Mares and I thought he just scored that hat trick. He had the comments from Pep. He had all the signs pointing to because we've seen what Mares is capable of in, in the Premier League and, and why City paid all the money for him and, and all of that. And I kind of thought this might be an opportunity to save that four million and and use that money elsewhere and strengthen my team and you know, do a bit of a J Kane exit, De Bruyne exit, even though I never owned him. You know what I mean? Um, I think the, the, the trouble was I didn't use that money well. Uh, I didn't really, It felt, I was looking at other people's teams and we almost had similar teams, but they had De Bruyne and I had Mares. And in a straight kind of shootout, you're going to pick De Bruyne every time. So it, it was frustrating. I mean, I, I, it's quite easy for people to say that, you know, it's Mares, he's a troll and all of that. But all of the signs I thought were there for, for Mares to really kick on. They had good games. He was playing really attacking, had complete confidence in Pep. And for him to go up completely off the cliff like he did once I brought him in, um, I just didn't expect that to happen. And it's amazing looking at my the players, some of the other transfers I've made, um, Ziyech, uh, Mope, um, and you know they all. When I brought them in, just I brought them in because they were showing promise, and they all just completely blanked every week until I sold them. So I do feel a little bit hard done by. I'm not, it's not going to change the way I play the game. I still thought I'd identified something and, you know, something that I could, I could kind of try and get in and stuff. But yeah, it just, it just hurt. And Vardy didn't deliver in those two really crucial, easy games. And, and De Bruyne scored heavily. So just everything went wrong. What yeah, can say? I, I, I think it, I think it's the, the, the old classic where you were unfortunate that De Bruyne had delivered, right? Because it, it might not have turned out like that. Mares and Ziyech, when you bought them, did look like, they could be fantastic picks. Ziyech perhaps was a bit more of a risk because he, his first season in the Premier League, but he, he looked, I think it was Burnley, wasn't it? He came back and he mm. got points at Burnley and he had decent fixtures. And I was looking at him, I was thinking, well, do I need to go Ziyech as well just to do something different? And I resisted it. And the Mares one was, I mean, he looked like he was going to play every game, didn't it? And 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 he, uh, you know, in previous in the previous season, Pep had said that he hadn't given him a fair crack of the whip kind of thing, and and he would, he'd almost said, "I'll try harder to work Mares into my starting eleven. Yeah. So it did look like he was going to be value for money, but I guess the lesson here is that 
this season Pep's been very difficult to oh, pin down. I mean, look at Foden. It's happening again with Foden. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he he had he was absolutely brilliant. I thought against Villa the other night. De Bruyne is injured. It should be everyone going. This is Foden's time. Let's do it. I still don't trust him to start him. Like every game, I, I still don't really want to back that horse. And I think Gundogan is is a stronger option because you know he's going to play. He's on the penalties and stuff. And um, if I'm looking at which one to get out of the two of them, I, I think it's got to be Gundogan, unfortunately. Mm. Even I don't particularly like him. Um, well, I think I think this is why this this period now, when, when we talked about at the top of the show with De Bruyne's injury, because what it allows us to do as FBL managers is to take a risk on a player, not, not saying that's Mares or Ziyech, but a player like that, like a Madison, for perhaps, knowing that De Bruyne can't hurt us. So unlike your decision where you went Mares over De Bruyne and De Bruyne was very much alive and active and he did hurt you, that isn't the scenario now because De Bruyne's out, right? So yep. we've suddenly, De Bruyne owners, and you're not one of them, I mean, you know, the the foresight of not having De Bruyne now pays off for you because you've already got Son in there, as we'll see later, and you're... You know, all, all skill that. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> I, that, that's why this is such a good opportunity. Like, although De Bruyne being injured is a blow, this is a chance to back yourself and go, well, I can take a risk on somebody here. And if it doesn't come off, the penalty for getting it wrong might not be that severe because, you know, I don't think if you go, say you go Gundogan over Foden, I don't think Foden's going to absolutely destroy you. Say you go Barnes over Madison, I don't think Madison's going to absolutely destroy you. Whereas... When mm. you went Mahrez over De Bruyne, yeah, he did absolutely. He did destroy yeah. you because we're talking about a De Bruyne player, a level of player who can really yeah. hurt if you, have, you get it wrong. Um, you know, I've had it with Son. I did it with Son not so long ago, as we said. That when you're turning your back on that tier, that top tier of player, that's when it can really hurt. But the scenario we're in now with the De Bruyne injury, this is it's it's a free reign to go right. Who do I who do I go back myself here? Who do I want to get in and 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 maybe go against the grain a little bit, knowing that the risk isn't that great um, if you if you just take a misstep, mm. um, as long as you correct it, you know you don't you don't I mean, get somebody and sit on them for weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave I gave you stick this week because you took Mane out for De Bruyne, and I kind of I said to you, oh, that's such a safe move, and you even you even said that in in the chat to Luke and I, you was you said. Yeah. I'm doing this purely because I'm scared about what he could do. Yeah. And that isn't how I like to play. I I don't think I've ever, you know, I mean, I've ever really made a transfer just because I'm 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 scared like that. But that doesn't mean I'm right. You know, it's it is, you know, I always talk about not looking at ownership and wanting to get ahead and stuff, but this is the this is the thing. To to win FPL, you you need to you need to go against the grain a bit. You need to do oh, things different. backing to, you know, you know, going against De Bruyne and, and stuff and, and making the use of the money like I didn't do is a way to really get ahead. And I still think at that time there was ways to to get ahead if, if I if I got it right. So I, I don't think, you know, I don't think it was necessarily not getting De Bruyne that cost me. It was not doing enough with with what I had and making the right decisions around yeah. it. To, so it's a kind of double whammy, really. But what I will um, say is everything you said there is true, but it's it's looking for those opportunities in the season where you can exert that aggression yeah. and you can take a risk. And perhaps you did it at the wrong time there because obviously, yeah. you know, De Bruyne was fit and playing decent football and, and City had great fixtures. And I mean, I, I got De Bruyne in for the hit with Mane out because of the 20, 21 and 22 fixtures when they play mm. West Brom, Burnley and Sheffield United. So it's a double blow really because... I got him in to cover the ownership, but also knowing that I'd won him for 20. Yeah. 
and now he's out of it. So that and was, it was the right call. It was the it, right call. He, he, only he just. He, only, yeah, but he, I mean, he outscored Mane and he's got better yeah. games. If he wasn't injured, he's got better games to come. I don't know. It was, mm. although I look at that and I, I think about how kind of negative I was to you in the chat. And then I look at it and actually I think you got a bit unlucky in terms of, you know, not getting more points. I think triple captainers of De Bruyne got, got unlucky um, with, you know, only getting what, eight points or whatever it was. And then you would have had him in place going forward and I wouldn't have had him and I would have been freaking out probably the next three weeks, not owning him more. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It's an issue. I mean, you know, people have different styles. People play the game differently. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm always going to try if I'm, if I think De Bruyne isn't going to score points and I think Mares could match him for 4 million less, I'm, I'm not going to change in the way that I, I do that. I don't think it's just, it's just not how I really want to, I want to play and I want to get in differential picks because that's where I have the most fun in FPL. And, it's been tricky the last three seasons because it hasn't worked out. But when I finished 800th, that's when all those calls, literally all the calls I was making were, were coming true. So mm. I've got it in me to get them right. I just need to uh, start doing it a bit, more, yeah. a bit more regularly. I mean, you don't want to stop doing that. You don't want to become totally safe because I, I, mm. I mean, we talked about FBL general earlier. He's flying this season, but he, I remember he once said, I can never win FBL because I don't take enough risks. And, you know, and he's an, absolute top quality manager but even mm. he admits that sometimes you've just got to be a bit more risky with your decision making yeah. and he feels he perhaps hasn't got that in him I, I don't believe that i think he can win it but and it's interesting he would say that and it is absolutely true that like, if you're going to win it if you want to try and get top 50 you've got to take some risks at some point yeah. it's just timing those decisions though it's I getting know. it right and um it's, it's tricky yeah, I mean, just one other thing. I mean, it's interesting as well because you, you some, some of the, the, I mean, the biggest calls you make in your in your season. I mean, I know you can change your formation and all that kind of stuff. But the, the as FPL managers, we're only really in control of two main things, which is your transfers and your captain. Yeah, they're the, they're the key things that we that we have week in week out. And transfers, I always feel that I'm quite I'm quite a ballsy like manager. Like I'm happy to take a risk on some and all that. But captains, I very very rarely deviate from. From the kind of the main the main picks, so your Salah, your mm. Fernandez, that kind of stuff. And when I have tried to deviate, it's cost me quite quite big. But it's cost me probably the same amount as it has de- deviating in terms of the Mareses and these kind of lesser field players. But it's like I've learned not to do that with the captains, but I haven't learned to do that with the with the transfer. So why why is that? Why is it kind of okay? Because the captain is almost an even shorter term pick because you've only got it for mm. that one week and if it doesn't work then you you can you can change it the next week whereas a transfer you bring him in you're probably stuck with them for for a little while so it's just the things that maybe we should be playing around with a bit more are the captaincy but we don't i think people are more likely to take a punt on a player rather than a, than a captain pick i just that, that, i mean that is very true um and yeah i mean that's something we should examine more over the season i mean i I definitely look at it like that. It's like, it's, I, I won't take any risk for the captaincy at the moment. I might do in the second half of the season, but with transfers every now and then I'll, I'll be prone to having a punt with a certain player. Uh, and I'll, I might well do that this week, but with the De Bruyne of injury, it's less of a risk, but yeah, that's very true. It's an interesting thing. We should, we should certainly examine that. Is it because it's just luck? Do you think like, it, it feels like when you, when you take the, the armband off like Salah, you're not only banking on your player, getting points you're also banking on them outscoring yeah. Salah and De Bruyne and Fernandez so th- that feels like it's a much more lucky kind of element to it but it's weird that kind of you've got these kind of ballsy managers but they're less likely to 
in that thing where it's mostly luck, they're less likely to roll the dice on, on something like that when there's bigger, there is a bigger upside um, to it in theory because you, yeah, but you I get guess, a monster captain hall and you know, you're laughing. Yeah, but I guess what you said about the transfer as in they stick around, I guess you think that I'm getting this player in and over a period of weeks, I think this is the right move. Whereas with the captaincy, it's obviously a one-week decision. Yeah. Perhaps more nervous about that and the damage that could be done in that one week. Whereas with a transfer, you're thinking, well... Okay, I'm going to get Barnes in over Madison because I think over the four or five game weeks that I plan to keep, exactly, will outscore him. It doesn't if matter. It doesn't, if he doesn't pay doesn't off lose. this week. Yeah, exactly, so may, yeah. I think that maybe is a factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, this is what we've got to examine. I mean, this is what this show is all about. As the season progresses, we need to be doing this, looking at the way we're playing the game, and ask questions of ourselves and and the way we play and and the and the and the thinking that goes into it the process that we put in place so interesting that um well we'll do some more retrospective just just really quickly i i actually think my 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 biggest error this this year was with my starting team um and four at the back made everything really inflexible i had havertz who i didn't sell for ages and he was clearly not not kind of up to it and he was too big a punt the second week I got rid of Ings for Martial for a hit just because I was so set on doing that that I've just ignored everything else. And Ings, you know, got a massive haul. Like there's 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 been pretty key. I've made a lot, I have made a lot of like questionable decisions this this season. I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shy away from that, but it's just one of those things, isn't it? When it's just it's like if, if half of them had paid off, it would have been okay, but just none literally none of them have. Yeah. <laughs> we we should definitely we should definitely look back at our initial lineups in one of these weeks, mm. just to just to go because I, I saw a few people posting game week one lineups recently, and obviously, you know, I think I had Werner. I went Werner over Ings, and that that was a big mistake. Having deliberated a lot at the start of the season, where I started with Pulisic, whereas you started with Havertz, that was a disaster. I mean, so we definitely both made initial errors that we've got to learn from when we go to select next season's team yeah and and i remember you saying you know really early on that the only kind of verna was you were getting him because you were worried about him for game week three or four or, mm. or five or something and you thought you know if he's scored loads of points for them his price has gone up and, and all of that so that's the example of when it can kind of shift the other way and you can you know it's good to protect yourself in some ways but other times you know if you'd gone for rings over verna for those first four weeks you'd have been you know in a really strong position but yeah it's a tricky game isn't it you know it's is a, there's a lot of luck involved there's a lot of there is a lot of skill involved in in jumping off players at the right time but it's why we it's why we enjoy it and yeah you, know, you, you can't it can't be it can't be perfect every season it's i've never i've never been this rank at this stage of the season um but you know i'm kind of relishing the challenge of of getting back up to the top 100k i still think it's it's achievable oh absolutely and, and it's like you you're not having bad game weeks i mean i've i think i've had if we go Go back to the the graph that I showed. I think I've had worse game weeks than you over the season. I've had some quite extreme bad game weeks, but I, you haven't yet. I don't think I looked at more data. I don't think you've had a game where you've broken into the top one hundred thousand in a game week, a game a high game week rank. So mm. I've had a couple of really bad five or six million rank game weeks, whereas you haven't. But I've had a couple of top one hundred k game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. my team is obviously prone to more extreme returns whereas yours has been quite steady you haven't had really bad <laughs> or really good ones. And <laughs> consistently yeah, but it, average you have and and um and that's that is the difference between our two teams and that that is quite interesting in itself because i wonder whether that's got anything to do with the way we played or the fact that you know i've i've i maybe have 
kind of got captains right a few more times. But I don't I mean, as I said, you caught up the captain points after this anyway. So I think we're pretty mm. even there. Um, but it's just, I think that was one swing. That was the fact that I played safe with De Bruyne and you chose to take the risk yeah. on Mares, and you backed Vardy at the same time. Yeah. Two two decisions that Absolutely. were quite gutsy, coincided, and they both got punished. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. when when a gutsy call goes wrong and you get the luck against you of the player you avoided bringing in the yeah. points. That's the that's the, basically the perfect storm, which really does bring you down yep. a bit. So it's just bad that it coincided. Yeah, anyway. I mean, because because sorry, just just one final thing is that it's interesting as well. Like, if I was three hundred k or like two hundred k, I'd be kind of leveling off at this point. I'd, I'd be I'd be kind of stuck around that kind of two hundred three hundred k mark, and everything wouldn't seem like such a, a bad, you know, such a big deal. Mm. Um, because you you know you have one big week, it takes you up to a to a certain level, and then you have a load of average weeks, and then you kind of like just plateau and you know and everything like that. And if you're plateauing around 100k, yeah, you're fine. You know it's gonna be fine. When you're plateauing around a million, it suddenly feels like you've really got to do something to try and boost yourself up. So well, I, I, that's what happened to me last season. I last season I was never ranked outside of the top two million. I went into the top two million at the start. And it, then I hovered around 1.5 million all season up until the break, right? Up until the mm. the um the COVID break. And then when I came back from that, I just went all in on United. I had Fernandez, Martial, and Fernand and uh, and Rashford. Captain Fernandez for like four weeks out of five. And I got into the top 200 k just on the back yeah. of that. Yeah, but yeah. up until then, I just I couldn't. I couldn't get out. No. I, I was in a rut. I just, nothing I did worked. And I had a, <laughs> I had a good week, then a bad week, but nothing extreme. And it is hard to do. And that's what you're in now. You're in this, you just got to get one week to get you into the top half million. And then you can yeah, kind of grind from there, if you like. The, the trouble is the only, the only way you can do that is, is by being a bit, being a bit yeah. ballsy it's, it's not going to be Bamford and Fernandez and Martinez and Soufal all these players who who take me into the top five it's, it's going to be players like Barnes and Madison um, or looking at Triple United or, or just doing something that that's different but of course when you start doing things a bit different you know you're also running the gauntlet of Bamford getting a hat-trick one week and you taking him out to bring in like you know, to put five in midfield and have Rashford. So it, it's always a trade-off. It's always difficult. It's always hard to know exactly the timing to get it right. But it always feels like you're you're just two or three game weeks away from turning a season around. And until we get to like, you know, the last three or four game weeks, I think if you're a million, two million, you know, maybe even higher, I still think you're in with a, a good chance of having a strong a strong end to the season. Yeah. But m- m- maybe the part of the skill of this game is knowing when to take risks yes. and not force him when not to yeah yeah absolutely and um maybe that is what we've got to hone and work on to get better but more on that in shows to come but um hopefully nice to do a bit more retrospective it is yeah and I'll, I'll pick on myself next week maybe you can run it and you can pick on me you're fine you're fine probably <laughs> you're doing all right it's I'm not doing all right, but I've we're supposed to be doing this weeks we're supposed to be doing black box so we're both rubbish we've got loads to talk about loads to learn from and then we have really good seasons next year. That was always the plan, Mark. Well, it's you very early. Ahead. We're not even halfway. Well, we are halfway just, right? So it can go badly. <laughs> um, let's look at some data. Um, quickly, team data defence over the season. Team data last four game weeks. Um, one thing to pick out here, I think, is West Ham. If you look at them over the last their last four matches, and we've seen it in their performances, 
Um, they're ranked second only to Man City over the last four matches. And Man City are the top defence overall now over the season when you look at minutes per expected goal conceded. Um, City uh, are expected to concede a goal every 115 minutes. Um, and over the last four matches, it's every 206 minutes. Incredible. But West Ham, they're on 184.6 over the last four matches. West Ham are just solid. And Craig Dawson has made the difference for them. Amazing. Yeah, and Luke was talking about bringing Dawson in. I don't, I'm not sure he did, um, but there was a few few people on my other WhatsApp group talking about Dawson, and he has made a difference since he's come in for Diop and alongside Balbuena. They've they've been rock solid, and Moyes has done a great job there. So West Ham timed it perfectly with a double game week as well, um, and obviously defensively delivered, but also Antonio as well. Who we're going to look at in a moment. Souffle. Also, Souffle, of course, absolutely. <laughs> Souffle, as one of my favourite podcasters said this week. Um, other f- stats I want to pick out there is Chelsea's decline. If you look at the last four matches, they're right down there now God. in the bottom half of the table. Um, expected goal conceded 75.9, sorry, get my teeth in, 65.9 <laughs> minutes per expected goal conceded. So teams better than that include Burnley, Brighton, Everton, uh, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. Sheffield United over the last four matches have been a stronger defensive unit than Chelsea. Um, it's worrying, isn't it? Because I was looking at this run and they've got a couple of good fixtures coming up and I was thinking Trent had reached James, job done. And then I watched that Leicester game and I'm like, I don't know if I do want to do that. And looking at this data, although they have got good fixtures, I think they've got Wolves. Let's have a look quickly, look at the ticker. I think they've got, let's have a look. They go, uh, where are Chelsea? Wolves followed by Burnley at home. Then Spurs away, Sheffield United away, then Newcastle at home. It's a good so run. For the next five, yeah. very, very strong. But when you look at that defensive data, I don't know if I fancy going back in for Reese James, even though he's got a little bit of attacking intent. Mm. And then they brought Rudiger in for Zuma. What's going on there? What, I mean, that's down to personality, apparently. What's that about? Absolutely brilliant article by FPL Planet. Um, on, on Chelsea if anyone hasn't read mm. it I strongly suggest you read it just a Chelsea fan who's got a lot of knowledge about the game really dissecting what's going wrong um, and you know Lampard is a is a very very intelligent man he it, it's it's kind of bewildering to me that it seems so obvious as to what's what's going wrong and yet he can't address it it's it's a lack of energy it's a lack of effort it's a lack of real penetration in the box and and getting players forward and getting into positions too much sideways passing and I, 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 I don't know what he really does about it. It's, I think it is a massive, massive problem. And if it wasn't Lampard's, I think he would have been sacked by now. I think because he's got the, because he's got the reputation of being their best ever player, I think Abramovich is thinking, mm, this is not a good look for us if we, if we get rid of him. But Chelsea fans are starting to think, I, you know, I know they love him, but I do, I do wonder about them. You've got, they've got so much competition now for those top four spaces. I cannot see them getting it in, with the way they're playing. And it's it's all over the pitch. It's it's in attack, it's in midfield, and it's in defence. Mm. And Chilwell and, and James recently just haven't been doing enough. No. And oh, I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what's different with them, but it's it's not it's not good enough. And Pulisic hasn't come back and got into the groove like we expected either. He hasn't looked the player he was last season or ended the season as. Um Werner, well, we spoke about him a lot, just just not taking his opportunities when he gets them at the moment. He's on the bench. Havertz never really, I'm still not convinced. I mean, I know it's early days of him and we keep saying this, but I, I don't know if there's a player in there yet. A Premier League I, player in there. 
You know, I compared as a player, but is it a Premier League player? I don't know. I can I compared him. If if I didn't know anything about football and I was watching Chelsea, I wouldn't know the difference between Havertz and a Sunday League footballer. Oh, that's I have I I have not seen. Have you you seen? Have you seen anything from Havertz to to indicate he's he's in that bracket? He loses the ball. His passing range is terrible. He's not getting into good positions. He runs around. I could do that. (laughs) <laughs> he hasn't shown, other than, you know, a nice first touch, he lifts his head up, he's aware of players around him, some cameo piece, some flashes, should we say. But he hasn't had a match yet where he's sustained it and he's gone, I've taken this game by the scuff of the neck. And I'm he's being carried every game I've yeah. seen him play. Every match this season I've seen him play, he's, so he's, he's, he's completely out of it. I can only put that down to the fact that he just hasn't settled. Because presumably they scouted him, and I've seen I've seen the YouTube video. His highlight reel is unbelievable, I know. I, and I'm 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 pretty certain that Chelsea bought him off the back of other evidence other than those YouTube videos. Mm, I'd like yeah, to think yeah. that, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> but the YouTube videos are quite impressive, right? But then you know it's Bundesliga, and what 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 can you glean from that? Given how Werner struggled as well, but yeah, I I think Lampard. Well, the double, he didn't make the decisions. I presume those transfers are made elsewhere. Uh, he obviously didn't veto them, I guess, but I don't think he could do that. But those players are brought in and Lampard hasn't got them working for him. And I think you're right. I mean, I mean Havertz should be on the bench as well, probably, alongside Werner, but it's a very... He, ha- he has been for, for, for yeah, a few, they've alternated, for a few weeks. Yeah, they've alternated, Yeah. I think they should be sitting alongside each other because I don't think they're doing him any favours when they play. And players like Hudson-Odoi are perhaps more reliable at the moment and doing more impacting matches, as he said. But, I, yeah, I, d- I just think Chelsea are kind of a no-go at the moment. And what's what's going to be disappointing for Chelsea fans, and I don't know whether the Planet FBL article said this, is this season is a season of opportunities in that, you you know, someone like Leicester could win it again yeah. or Spurs could win it because City have had a bad spat, a patch, but they're coming out of it now. Liverpool are in a massive dip at the moment. So Chelsea fans are thinking, Actually, if we could just put a run together, we could challenge here. And the fact that they're not must be so frustrating because next, next season, Liverpool and City could just power away again, couldn't they? And whereas now you think if you could just do it, if they could just sustain some form. They could... I, I, I honestly think given, given who Chelsea bought in the summer, they should be top of the league. And I think them, them I mean, you know, they, they spent more money than anyone. Um, they bought in absolute quality players. Werner, they bought Havertz, Thiago Silva's come in, Ziyech has come in, Chilwell. They spent hundreds, hundreds of millions of pounds and they've got worse. And it's, it, it, I think you're completely right. I think it is a season that they should, this should be the, the, the chance for them to stamp their intentions. They should be challenging for the league. They should, I don't think they should be competing for top four. I think they should be challenging for the league. And the fact they're not, I know they've, you know, you can, it's, they're a team in transition and all of this, but, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a good enough excuse. And But I look at them and I think when you actually look at who they've bought, I can't understand the Pulisic and Werner dynamic. They seem so similar. Like you could play Pulisic up front and he could do the same job that Werner does. They both drift to the left. They're both fast. They both do this. They're the kind of the same player. And then you look at Havertz and he likes to drift to the right. And then you've got Ziyech over there. And then you've got James like kind of being, now he's tucking in a bit, you know, he's coming in more and he, I don't know, the, the tactics just seem a bit off in, in, in the whole team. And I, I posted this earlier, I, I, I don't know, I don't really know what Lampard does because the personnel is, is good enough, but not for how he wants them to play. Mm. So it's either he gets new personnel in, which I don't think is going to happen because they've backed him massively to bring in these players, 
or he has to be more flexible in how he changes the team around. I also can't see him doing that because he obviously seems to like this whatever system they've got going on. So I, 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 honestly, I think he's finished. I'd be amazed I, I, if he's, if he's I, there at the end of the season. I, I Well, we'll see. I mean, the thing is with, with Chelsea and Lampard, the knives were, were out amongst some quarters immediately they started getting bad results and now they haven't sustained one of bad results it's really he's really problem so mm. i feel for him a bit i mean like i said i don't think necessarily it was his choice to bring those players in i think he had a say and he probably had some input but it's hard to know in that hierarchy of uh, chelsea who made the call and who got those players um but, but have, where, have it should you, be sorry don't, don't I'm just saying, wherever it is, Lampard, if he did order them up, he did say, these are the players I want. He now doesn't know what to do with them. And then he should be responsible. But I don't think that is the case. I think he got given these players and yes, they're quality players, but I don't know if Havertz and Werner are Premier League players in the way they play in the positions they take up and the positions in which they're best played. I think you've almost got to change the way you play to accommodate them yeah, to get the best out of them. And I think that's very difficult when the Premier League has kind of like a, a formula, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, the number 10 has kind of become a, 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 a misnomer. I mean, there aren't really number 10s about. I mean, the, the, those players are much harder to find. A few seasons back, it was all about the number 10s. Now that way of playing has gone. It, it's a lot more about, you know, pace and energy and, and, and the way City play tick attack of football perhaps. But, those players aren't set up for that. Werner is not a winger. He's not a centre-forward, really. Havertz is not a winger. He's not a centre-forward, really. Pulisic is not... Is he a winger? He kind of is, but he's in more of an inverted forward. So is Ziyech. Is he a winger? Not really, because they've had to play Reese James to give some extra width down that side when Ziyech plays as well. So these are players that don't fit that kind of template at all. They're difficult to work into your yeah. team. And Lampard's struggling because of that. And because of that, none of them are, have become fantasy assets that we can trust and that's a been a problem because they would be i mean pulisic and Werner in particular should be up there with the top players and they're just not in yeah. fbl terms because of lampard's struggles yeah and 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 it's, it's interesting as well because you look at you look at chelsea and you look at how hard they're finding it in that final third to really you know really get that goal and make that killer pass and then you look at liverpool and there's a similar struggle going on there. It's, it almost feels like there's kind of the same problem. The, the play is too slow. They're not creating those chances. They're putting in crosses, but they're not getting anywhere. Um, I look at I look at Thiago, and I think does he really fit what Klopp wants? High intensity, like pressing. Like he's a very good passer, but he slows the ball down a, a lot. I, I'm not convinced he fits in this in the Klopp team. Um, with that, I, I was, like Thiago a lot. I I, I think. You've got to play him in the right role, though. But yeah, perhaps he hasn't found that yet. But I think it's too... without Henderson there. Without Henderson yeah. there, he's he, you know it, all the people that were that were dissing Henderson when he was nominated for Player of the Season. Uh, this season just shows how how valuable he is to that Liverpool team. Mm. Uh, he's so he's so underappreciated for for what he does. He, he drives that team forward. He, they would have won that game if he'd been in the team yesterday. Oh yeah, they miss him when he's not in midfield. Absolutely. When they play him at the back, it's not the same. They miss his his energy and organisation midfield. Um, let's look at the attack just briefly. We see here um, Chelsea, who were right up there, team data 
um, for attacking wise, they're dropping to mid table over the last four matches as well. So the defence dropping down below mid table and the attack now around that as well. Um, Leicester, West Ham, Spurs, Villa, Arsenal, all above Chelsea now, Liverpool even as well, even with their struggles over recent matches are in terms of minutes per expected goal outperform Chelsea. Um, so those two teams who should be sources of much in terms of FBL assets are letting us down right now. And then you couple that with the De Bruyne injury and suddenly we are looking at the mid price and players like Barnes and Madison. We're looking back at Grealish, I expect, um, as well as the obvious candidates like Son and Kane as now the new breed of heavy hitter for this period. Mm. Because we can't trust Chelsea. We can't look at Liverpool right now. We wouldn't double up on Mane and Salah, would you? You probably there'll be some who are thinking we've got to get Salah out as well. I know. And that's the big that was the question that that we were asked over on Twitter. Is okay, say you haven't got De Bruyne, you haven't got Vardy, maybe you haven't got any any kind of you know really pressing concerns. What do you do mm. with Salah? And I don't think the fixtures for Liverpool are particularly good. They've got um Spurs next, they've got West Ham, they've got and then is it Brighton? Well, let's have a look. Um, We've got it on screen here. Spurs, West Ham away, which aren't easy games. Neither of those. West right Ham, down the bottom of the ticker. Yeah, they are. And then Brighton at home, which <laughs> I'll let you predict that one. And then City <laughs> and Leicester away. So this is a testing run that they're going into mm. in, in awful form. And, all, and also what gets me with Liverpool, and I don't want to dwell on them too much because we've done Chelsea to death already, but Liverpool, I don't see a way out of it at the moment because... There is no service coming in from Robertson and Trent. And there's no invention coming down the middle either at the moment. Salah looked better when he came on. He, he added a spark. He started drifting across the box and trying to play short passes. Firmino appears to be He's, holding back a bit. So I, I can yeah, holding him back a bit. I completely agree. I completely agree. I know, I know he's given so much to them and I know everything he brings to that kind of team. But in that Burnley match, what you need is is someone like a Haaland. <laughs> or an Aguero or someone, someone who can just do something, just you, you need someone to create a bit of magic. And they're so reliant on, on Salah and Mane to do that, that I think it, it makes it, it makes it a lot harder for them when, when, when teams defend like Burnley do. And I think more teams are working it out. I mean, it's no coincidence that you've got Newcastle, you've got West Brom, you've got Southampton, you've got um, Burnley now. They all defend in the same way. Let, let them put in balls. We'll defend them, you know, to put shackles on on Salah and Mane, and you know there isn't really going to be much of a threat. Thiago can do as many passes as he likes, but there's no when they haven't got that like direct like threat or that really killer ball coming through. Um, you know, it's up to someone to to create something to do something brilliant. And and look at United. United, I think, are a perfect example compared to Chelsea and and Liverpool because United a lot of the time look like they're struggling. They really, they really look like they're not creating stuff. They, they look a bit lost. They're not doing so. And then someone, Fernandez, Pogba's been doing it now more than ever. Rashford, they've, Cavani has now come in. They're all doing these moments of like just sheer quality, which you just put them over the line. And I was listening to the um, the Champ Man stream last night, and um, Irons asked uh, Moe a really good question, which was in the United team, how many of your players have been consistently over eight out of ten this season? Uh, and and Mo's a United fan, and you know there's Fernandez, and then he was kind of he was saying, oh, you know McTominay and and De Gea, and yeah, like, oh, yeah. You're struggling, mm-hmm. aren't you? Struggling. I mean, it's 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 Fernandez, and that's about it. But they're top of the league, so 
it is it's moments of just individual brilliance from players who aren't performing amazingly well in games that's winning that's that's put but, them right up to the top. What I don't understand is last season when the ploy it was obvious was the service from out wide from the two fullbacks get both got double figure assists. And last season you got the impression that people Teams turned up. They knew what they were going to get. They couldn't stop it. How has it been stopped suddenly this season? Mm. I don't understand it because it has. I mean, it's like those two. I mean, we could look at data in another week, but those two just aren't putting in the supply that they were before. And yet, yeah. last lastly, commentators are saying, "Well, we know what we're going to get from Liverpool. We know that Robertson and Trent are going to get forward, but no one seems to be able to stop it." And it was kind of true. No one did did stop it. And yet, you're right. Teams turn up now, and well, we're just. Crowd the box, they'll throw a cross yeah. in, which is pretty aimless, and we'll have two, three defenders in the way, and we'll just try and keep Salah and Mane quiet. And at the moment, people are doing it. Yeah, it's it's very odd. But it's it's, it it's trouble for us because we can't look to... Like, normally, De Bruyne injury, get Mane in, double up on Liverpool. Maybe not with those fixtures, but it's not even an, an option now. I mean, Neil, Neil Kager in the chat, I, I think, if you're ever going to look for a season that sums up this season, I think it's what Neil's just said, poor teams playing good. Better teams playing worse. <laughs> so it's even up. Yeah, I think I think it has. I think it's a more even playing field because of the um because of the being no crowd. Yeah, no supporters there. Liverpool miss it more than anyone, probably. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Um okay, let's look at the player. What we want to do is look at the top performers of the season um so far on the halfway point. And I'm bringing up keepers to begin with. Um and we talked about Pope a little bit. And what's amazing is he somehow ended up on top now. Um, yeah, amazing. Okay. 19 game weeks gone. He's top on 92 points ahead of Martinez. These two, you know, by far and away, the top keepers. I mean, you think there's a bigger gap between them and the rest. There isn't that big a gap. I mean, from Martinez to Smichael, it's six points, 86 to 80. Then Fabianski on 79, Leno 79, Lloris 79. There's a bigger gap to Pope. What's incredible though is those 17 bonus points. Mm. Um, in 2016-17, uh, when he when I think Heaton set the record, 21 bonus points. And then last season, that's the record for a goalkeeper. Last season, Pope beat it with 23. He's got 17 from 18 games. So he's going to smash 23, you default. And it's because Burnley don't pass the ball around at the back. And so none of the defenders pick up any uh, any BPS for passing. And so every time they keep a clean sheet, the advantage for Pope in the BPS, he's only got to make three, two or three saves and he'll get bonus points. And obviously against Liverpool, he, he made six saves. And it's just the way that Burnley set up as well. They allow shots. And if we, it's interesting, if we go back to the defensive data and I'll show you what I mean about this with Pope. And we look at Burnley, for example, over the last four matches. So minutes per chance conceded, a chance conceded every 5.8 minutes. That's pretty bad. I mean, it's very bad. I mean, when you look at the teams who have got better than that, there's a lot of teams. I mean, that's ranked, I think, third or fourth from bottom. But minutes per big chance conceded, one big chance a match they've averaged. And so what they're doing is they're conceding chances, which Pope is saving, but they're not conceding good chances. So they're not conceding goals. And in that scenario, Pope is just excelling. He's getting save points. He'll pick up bonus. And he's got five double-figure returns over the season. Um, and it's coincided with Ben Mee's return as well, hasn't it? He, they've done really well since he's there. So mm. we did balk at the price, 5.5 at the start of the season. But now suddenly it's like, well, maybe it is worth paying for this period when we haven't got to worry about cash because De Bruyne's out. I mean, what's your thinking on Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones where you look at like draft teams and who you're picking and you haven't got to worry about price. 
and Pope is number one, I think on pretty, on almost everyone's like list because you know he's gonna he's gonna be up there at least because of he suits FPL <laughs> in terms of the saves he makes, the bonus he gets, the passes, the fact that Burnley can score so few goals and grind out those yeah. one nil wins. But when it comes to actual FPL, it's difficult. And you know, you look at Martinez at four point five when he started, and Pope at five point four, and there's six points in it between them. And one cost a million more than the other. So yeah. I'm still more than happy with Martinez. I've got him at yeah, 4.7, yeah, yeah. I think. So, you know, it's, it's not like I'm I'm looking to switch. But yeah, if you've got money, if you've got money, you don't know what to do with it. Pope is the best goalkeeper to own FPL, I think. Like, objectively speaking, he will be he will be in the top three, guaranteed, probably number one at, at, by the end of the season. Mm. I'd, I'd be amazed if he wasn't. Um but I don't think there's I don't think there's enough in it between those top three, if one of them is cheaper for, to to go for it. So that's that's yeah. what puts me off puts me off him. Yeah, I mean Martinez definitely has been a fantastic option and probably will be at the moment if you're making a team of the season. You'd still put Martinez in there because he started off at high value, a lower value at four point five, and he's just flat. And if you look at BPS, he's actually earning BPS at a faster rate than Pope. But the trouble is, he's in a team where the defenders do complete passes. And he's in a team where they do score more goals. So he's going to miss out on bonus more times than Pope does. Do you know what's incredible, though? I'll tell you what's incredible. Pope, 92 points. Mm. De Bruyne, 95. Yeah, I know. <laughs> double, like, double the price, playing for the best team in the league, um, best player in the league, three points different. Yeah, we've never... <laughs> that. If, you, if you'd have said, by the halfway point, the top keeper would have more points than De Bruyne. We would three three less, but three, nearly okay. Nearly three less, but you would never have bought that, would you? You never would have believed that, and it is quite extraordinary because, like I said, we were going off. Oh, no way, I'm paying five point five on a goalkeeper, but you happily coin out for De Bruyne, thinking, well, he's going to get me hundreds of points. But yeah, that hasn't turned surely out Pope's right. not going to get two hundred points this season, is he? Could do. I don't think he will. Oh. You'd think he'd regress from this current run. That Burnley he's- haven't even been good. This no. isn't like a resilient burn. I mean, the Liverpool game was good, but this hasn't been like a particularly resilient Burnley season. It's incredible he's, he's got... But it's point. just the way they set up. We saw it with Heaton, and it's just funny that Pope's just come in and just kept it going. So yeah. it's almost like it does matter who's in goal because Pope's a bloody good keeper, but just the way Burnley set up and how they play, it's good for FBL. Their yeah. keeper will always do well. Um <laughs> Defenders over the season, Robertson top on 88 points, Creswell 87. And again, yeah, Pope's beating all these. He's got more points in the top defender. <laughs> and so is Martinez for most of them. Um, any names that surprise you there? I guess we've got to call out Bednarak and the Southampton defence. Surprising to see him in there. Um, but it's been Southampton and West Ham that have really provided the value looking at this list. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Creswell being second in the list, um, I thought... A, I thought him being at centre back would reduce his points because he's been a left back, and you know that helps because they get forward more. But he's been getting the assists; he's on the corners, all the set plays. Didn't expect West Ham to be anywhere near as good as they have been. But fair play to them. Uh, Zoom is interesting for a different reason because he's now been dropped that you mentioned earlier for Rudiger. And okay, not okay, not always top FPL players are the best players in the league, but. Zuma being made the scapegoat seems very odd for for Chelsea, um, given how much he, how many goals he scores and the threat he offers from set pieces. Taking him out seems seems very strange. 
Um, but I did not expect Zuma to be like what, fifth on the on the list. That is because yeah. you, you know you look at there's so, there's so many defenders in the league and like attacking fullbacks are the ones that I'm always drawn to. But with Bednarek and Zuma there, um, just shows that you know centre backs are, are still a good option. Yeah, we've seen resurgence because of the the set piece threat. And the thing is, for Chelsea, with Mount set plays, I mean, Rudiger almost scored at Fulham the other day. Um, there is that threat. If you've got someone who can deliver well from corners, and that's why Bednarak and Vestergaard, who's also in the list, are up there because they've, you know, between them, they've got four goals. Zuma's got four goals. And when you do that, you're going to be in among the top defenders if you're in a reasonable team that keeps some clean sheets as well. So I think the lesson here is like, you know, if a team's got, quality set piece delivery it is worth taking a punt on the center backs but as a rule it, for me it is still the full backs creswell robertson out in front and as you look further Where's Trent? This, yeah exactly who would have thought he'd be there <laughs> i know crazy isn't it yeah to think he's not in in the top echelons and and also if we look at minutes per point so this is a kind of a more um, a kind of snapshot of recent uh names that have leapt up there's stones right at the top he has got um, you know, 12.7 minutes per point at the moment underlines his form. I think he's ever eight clean sheets in 10 appearances. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I'd written him off completely. If you, if you told me at the start of this season that John Stones would be like, you know, back in the city team, keeping all these clean sheets, had just scored two goals in a double game week, I would literally have laughed you out of the, the room. Like it's, it's, <laughs> I think you talk about a resurgence of a, of a player. I don't know any player that's come back like he's done. I can I can never think of one that's come back like he's done from that. Mm. Well, just a, you know, he's played himself into the England team as well, hasn't he? Amazing. For the Euros. Cancelo is the one that we're expecting to really burst out. I mean, the attacking returns, we keep saying it every bloody week, don't we? And again, he hit the bar. He had a... He had a He'll be top defender. He's season. got... I mean, he's got everything he needs to to do that. I mean, he's got 11 bonus points so far, and that is with one attacking return. Um, so if he, you know, any match he gets an attacking return, you've got to think he's going to get bonus points as well. Maybe even regardless of clean sheets as well, because he creates so many chances. So he's the one who's going to, we anticipate, accelerate through the second half of the season. Um, and maybe we've got to look for Pereira as well, who's not on the list at Leicester, because Justin has done worse. Interesting to see what happens there, whether Justin mm. stays as part of the back three um, or he goes out onto the left and Castagna gets dropped. So there's going to be some disruption there. We've got to wait and see because they've got Sionchu to get back in as well. So yeah. the Leicester defence could be problematic as a new mm. Justin. I can't see Justin getting dropped though, given how he's performed this season. Pereira came on at right wing, I think. He did. He came in for Old Brighton. So yeah. if they play wing backs, then he can go in over there. But Old Brighton's playing well, so he doesn't deserve to get dropped. No. So they can afford to ease Pereira back in, but that's obviously one to watch if you've got Justin in your team. Midfielders, which is where all the points are, the top, Performer Fernandez, 140 points, genuinely has a chance of 300 points, doesn't he? Uh, and I remember doing the scout cast with Holly. And mm. Holly, I think it was honestly like game week four or five. Yeah. Holly came on the scout cast and she said, I've got Fernandez in my team because I think he's going to get 300 points this season. And mm. I was like, no way. You know, I don't that good. It's, not, it's never going to happen. His form's dipping which is a bit of a concern. I mean, you look at Salah's, um, you know, output not being very good. It's now three games. Oh, well, he got the assist, didn't he? He got, he got the assist against Fulham. Mm. But lucky, very lucky, 
Everyone's saying you had a hand in that. Yep, yep. The old Mark phone call got in the... It honestly wasn't because I didn't see the game. (laughs) I went on Twitter after the game. I didn't watch the game at all. And I went on Twitter and I saw there was a fuss about it. I was like, what's this then? And then I watched it back. And it was only then that I started getting engaged in the conversation. And obviously, having worked (laughs) with the FBL, I know how that rule and the rulings work. And I tried to clear it up. But then, yeah, perhaps I'm fueling the fire and everyone thinks that's me again. But no, I mean, it was an assist in my book. I would have given that one. Um, it was an intentional cross, wasn't it? Which yeah, he, he looked. It. the crucial factor is he looked up. He looked yeah. up and he saw Cavani. Greenwood was coming in on near post, but he wasn't as advanced. I don't think we can say Greenwood could have been the intended target. So when a player looks up and there's a man in the middle and he crosses into the middle, you've got to think that's the intended target. And as I said in, on Twitter, when there's an intended target, the leniency on the degree of the touch that, could follow before it reaches the goal scorer is increased. Whereas when it's just, we mm. don't know, are they aiming just for an area of the six yard box or penalty mm. area? If there's a touch, then it's more likely the assist is wiped off. But when there's an intended target and that target scores, he intended yeah. to cost a Cavani, Cavani scored. Why wouldn't he get the assist? That's, that's the way it works. But I understand, you know, people frustration. And the thing is when it's a really highly owned player, people go, Oh, well you're only doing it because it's a highly owned player. And that's, I know that's not the case either, of course. But um, it's just more people talking about it because yeah, no one cares if it's like, I don't know, Ali Catamog. I know I keep using Ali Catamog. He's a, yeah, what is it about your obsession with Catamog? Is he on your wall? Is he going to replace? <laughs> he should be. No, he shouldn't yeah. be. He was just that, he was that proper casual pick, wasn't he? Yeah. He hit like a 30 like, yard scream or like the second game week and everyone had him like, in their team. Um, I think the thing with Fernandez, and, I, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this, I think the thing that's going to prevent him from getting that 300 points. Mm fact that the other players around him are stepping up so in some ways it, it could boost him because it could be more assists it could be more goals and all of that but I think it, because he's carried the team for such a long period of time that is why he's had so many ridiculous double digit holes I think with players like Pogba, Rashford, Cavani there I think we're going to see a reduction in 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 massive halls for Fernandes. Yeah, I, I definitely think with Pogba and Cavani in there because they're they're two players who are could come into their own in the second half of the season. And if they keep maintain the rate we've seen in the last few game weeks, then yeah, definitely. I I, I tend to agree with you because he doesn't have to carry the team like he has been because um, suddenly Pogba's there taking some of the burden and they've got a centre forward in Cavani and that does change the dynamic. So yeah, I think that he can even drop deeper a bit, you know. If, yeah. If you know- ahead of him to to do something and he knows oh, I've got to get into the box again no one's else is getting there uh, it might just mean that he's happy to dictate a bit more in, in midfield because that's it he was raiding the box a lot wasn't he a few game weeks back and less so now that Cavani's occupying mm. that position so it's a very good point that but still you've got to have him I mean we, we said a few episodes back how he is now the heavy hitter of choice and the form yeah. of Salah really just underlines that even more doesn't it even yeah. though Fernandes has dipped it's been nothing like what we've seen from Liverpool. Um, any other names that leap out here? Neto's done well, I guess, on 84 points. I mean, it's interesting that he's only two points behind Sterling. I mean, that's, mm. again, Sterling, like Alexander-Arnold, has disappointed massively. And look, Suchek's only, what? Suchek's on 81, five points behind Sterling. Um, yeah. Crazy, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, you know, Madison's creeping his way up. Mm. Um, I, I, do, I do think he, he's a really strong option. Uh, you know, his, his interview was great at the end of the, the yeah. last game. Um, really nice. And it was interesting to hear him say, like, you know, he's he, he he was saying he had a word with one of the coaches at Leicester 
And he said, I want to get more goals. Like, what do I need to do to get more goals? And they've been working on it. And now he is. So, you know, it's, he's always been a player that's, he's always been a streaky player for a start. So he goes on a run like this and just keeps seem to getting returns. And then it just switches off. And then he goes back and gets nothing for weeks. I've been there with him. Um, but it does seem to me that he is, he is looking to, to add something new to his game and get forward and, and, and create. And he's going to, there's going to be more onus on him now with Vardy out as well. So I, I think he's, he's a really strong pick. Yeah. I mean, if you look at minutes per point, he's uh, right up there. Um, so he's placed six over the season um, so far. So he's a point every 13.6 minutes. You've got El Ghazi out on top 10.5 minutes, Jota on 10.7, Son on 11, Fernandes 11.2, Salah 11.4. And then you've got the two who are in the mix to replace KDB, who are Foden on a point every 12.6 minutes and Madison 13.6. So, yeah, Madison is an interesting player. And, and yeah, I mean, he cited Carragher as well, didn't he? He said that Jamie Carragher's, the comment about getting his numbers up was going to be a factor. So it's... um, And he's right. I think Carragher was completely spot on with that because... As that kind of like talisman, okay, Vardy's the talisman of Leicester, but Vardy's not going to be around forever. When Vardy goes, I think it is going to fall on on Madison to, you know, he's the chief creator in the team, he's all the set pieces. He's the one that people are really going to be looking to, to, to make something happen. And if you're getting five goals and five assists a season, it's, you, you, I don't know, you, you need, he needs to do more. Um, once he starts getting those numbers up to 10, 10 goals, 10 assists, more that he's capable of, um, yeah, he's, he, 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 I just love him. He's just such a good player to watch. And I, I had a go at always cheating on, on Twitter the other day because he, he tweeted saying, um, you know, what's wrong with Madison? And I was like, Josh, nothing's yeah. wrong with him. He's class. He's, I, do, he's always class. He's, leave, he just doesn't get those numbers. Leave Josh alone because I listened to it the other day and Brandon called him out on the Always Cheating podcast. Really? And that's, <laughs> it's a bit unfair because what he was saying was that in the last 20 minutes, he hasn't looked great shakes. And then, yeah, there was he got leapt upon and he obviously scored as well. But yeah, I think that's was a bit harsh the way that turned out on Twitter. But it's quite funny because then I think Josh tweeted about Alexander Arnold during the Burnley game. And I was thinking, is it going to happen again? Is it, is he, <laughs> Wish time, it had. Every time Josh <laughs> tweets about a player now, I go, oh, is it? Is that, <laughs> seems to be a bit of a thing now that he, he's doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the England squad as well. He, he's he's up against the likes of Grealish, Sancho, Sterling, Rashford, I know. presumably for a role in the team. And Foden, I guess. Yeah, it's hard. Um, in, in in the front three, or maybe depends on what formation he plays. I mean, you've got to think that Rice and Henderson pick themselves. Yeah. So there's not. Gre- many- I still think Grealish is is, yeah. is ahead of him. I I, yeah. I I still I look at Grealish and, and what he brings and stuff, and I still think he is. He, Madison is. I love Madison with all my heart, but Grealish is is just that level, just that level above. So it's it's hard. It'd be great if we could find a way to to get them both in, but I, I still think it's going. But there's Grealish, Mason yeah. Mount in there as well, who, who Southgate loves. So. As the season goes on, you've got to think that Madison's got to maintain this form if he wants to be part of that. And he's not a given, is it? So he's got to keep it up. So yeah. we'll see. Um, I think uh, we're going to talk a bit more about midfielders in a minute when we talk about um, a certain City player. We're going to look at forwards and then we're going to look at um, Gundogan as an alternative to KDB. Disappointing, really, the forwards. And, and yeah. what's interesting here is when you consider what to do with the funds from De Bruyne, What's interesting here is the gap between Kane and the rest. In the, if you look at the other positions, there isn't a massive gap between the top player and second and third. But when you look at the forwards, the gulf between Kane on 142 points and Vardy, who is now out for three or four weeks, 
on 116. So that gap's only going to grow. You've got to think that by the time Vardy's fit, that gap's going to be, what, 50 points, probably? Now, that's a big gap between the top two forwards. So that makes me think that perhaps Kane is the best source of this extra money that we've got. Um, what's your view on that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a real shame. Um, and it's it's interesting when you look at the teams in the league and, and how, you know, in previous seasons we've had Costa, Suarez, Aguero, Kane. We've, had, we've been so spoiled for premium strikers. And now you look at like Firmino, Lacazette, um, Werner, like it's all just, it's all just a bit crap, isn't it? And that's why I think there's, there's less, there's almost less onus put on a, like a centre forward to get you all your goals now, because there's, you have all your players around them that, that score. And that's just kind of how the game's evolved. And it, it means that the unbreakable formation of like a three, four, three in FPL a few seasons ago is now, I think five in midfield now is, is the more sensible play because there's just better options and you see it, this table, I think, perfectly summarises it because you take out, you know, a couple of these players and who, who do you really go for? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing with strikers is you've always got that potential, haven't you? It always feels like you've got, they get less points for a goal, but Bamford versus Rafinha, for example, you're always going to back Bamford yeah. because he's the striker and he's the kind of the main, the main player. Um, yeah, I mean, I never expected Bamford to be on this list at, at third. Wilson at 90 is pretty good. But I mean, then, nothing, the, it drops off. You look at the, I mean, Firmino on 73 is in, is in sixth place, which shows you the level we've got. And, and the name at the bottom there, Antonio, who's only got 48 points at the moment. But if you look at minutes per points, he's right up there. He's got a point every 15.6 minutes, which is only just behind Bamford on 15 minutes per point. So we, I expect Antonio and Bamford to be almost like the default now template for most. If you haven't got those two, I would wager that over the next few weeks, you will end up with those two. And then it's whether or not you sink your money into someone like Kane, or you just stick a four or five Brewster in there and go five in midfield. Yep. And the way defences are performing at the moment, perhaps that is the way to go. Maybe four five one is a formation that we should look at and alternate Bamford, Bamford and Antonio. I don't. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? To, to well, make, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marcus makes a good point. I mean, he gives he's given me a bit of sass, which I don't appreciate, but his points good. Uh, he says Wilson almost has as many points as Grealish. And that is where it's quite interesting because you'd say yeah. Grealish is having a kind of a standout season. You've got someone mm. like Wilson who's Newcastle aren't great, but Wilson's ticking over those penalties. He's he's getting the old kind of goal from open play. Like he's he's doing enough. And when you've got a striker like that, it kind of does elevate them because they're the striker and they're the person getting you the goals. But there's just not many of them. <laughs> That's the issue. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, you said it best about Wilson. It's it's hard to trust Newcastle, but. Yeah, particularly in the moment. Also, also it's, more, it's more fun watching Grealish than it is Wilson yeah, because absolutely. Grealish looks like getting a point at any minute in the game, yeah. whereas Wilson, you just got to wait for that moment, haven't you? And, hope and Grealish will comfortably outscore Wilson before the end of the season. Well, it is surprising that there isn't that big a gap. I mean, that's one of the things when I've started looking at these tables is surprises like that, like Pope outscoring the top scoring defender and being only a few points for Van de Bruyne. And, you know, and you look at that Wilson versus Grealish in your head, you think there's a massive gap, but there isn't. And, and, you know, actually, I looked at Grealish and he has disappointed a bit in his output. 
in that he in matches he's looked like he should be getting pushing double figures, but rarely has. I think he's got fewer double figure returns than Pope, for example, over the season. He had that big game against Liverpool, mm. um, and that did kind of skew things for a good while as well. So, I mean, I'm to be honest, I want Grealish, but do I? I mean, I look at Madison's output recently, and and as I say, Gundogan in a minute, um, and think that Grealish maybe isn't the the mm. shoe in that he was for me now. Um, it's just I miss having him because I like watching him play. Um, let's have a look quickly at minutes per point, and that's where Antonio and Cavani is a player we pick out because Cavani, if he can nail down that start, United at the moment he's getting a point every twelve point seven minutes, which is third to Kane. Kane eleven point three minutes per point. Nketiah on twelve point two, but Nketiah's only played three hundred eighteen minutes. One of Azzy's favourites, of course. Um, but Cavani is interesting. <laughs> getting points per minute better than Vardy. So if Cavani starts on a regular basis, he has got to be someone at 7.8 we consider, isn't he? I'm tempted. Honestly, I'm, I'm really, really tempted by him. I'm looking at players who can give me a bit of an edge on others. Mm. And I'm looking at Cavani and I'm thinking he's done enough to, to stay. He's better, but he's just better than Martial up front. It yeah. just is. I, I don't. I can't see any way in which Ole could justify playing Martial over him. Um, I mean, he might. He, he's a bit like a kind of a Foden, and we all know that he's the better player to play there. But does the manager believe he is? Um, but looking at United's run, looking at the, the the confidence they must be getting from seeing Liverpool struggle and all the other teams falling down, sort of behind them, um, you kind of feel like you need to have someone with Fernandez to really get the most out of what could possibly happen over the next few game weeks. It's only really Cavani and Rashford, maybe Pogba, but I don't really trust Pogba. I trust Cavani and, and Rashford more than him. Mm. And at a time when, you know, we've got money to play with and, you know, if you've got the, you've got money to upgrade the likes of Adams, like I have, for example, I, I think Cavani's actually a really solid pick at the moment. Mm. It's interesting that Kane is top of this as well. Not only top, with 142 points amongst the forwards, but in terms of minutes per points, he's top as well. And that is like, yeah. I mean, in the other list, we've seen players um, you know, come into the equation, but seeing Kane top of both lists is is quite an eye-opener. Mm. And it shows you what a, you know, what an asset he could be in the second half of the season. And perhaps we're wrong to... I mean, I haven't got him at the moment. And and the tendency is to put the money in midfield, but maybe during this period, with De Bruyne are out, Salah or form, it's, it's time to look back at Kane. And when you see how much Son is overperforming his stats, mm. it does make me think Kane is is the one to go for. Yeah. Out of the two. Yeah. If I was wildcarding, I'd have Kane over Son, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting times. Okay. Um, what next? I want to look at Gundogan because he's a player that has got to be in the reckoning to replace KDB. And, str- and perhaps it's just a go-to, the straight swap, as I say here. Um, I'm looking at City's stats here over the last seven matches um because this is when Gundogan came into form he's got five goals in the last seven matches um as this data shows as his table shows so he's their leading scorer over that spell and although De Bruyne is right out on top for minutes per shot minutes per chance created minutes per expected goal involvement non-penalty over everybody else what's interesting is Gundogan's numbers for shots he's had 22 compared to De Bruyne's 24 Way out in front, those two, ahead of Sterling, Foden and Cancelo uh, on 13, 12 and 10. But shots in the box. Gundogan, 16 shots in the box. The most of any City player over that seven-match spell. That is something I didn't expect to see from him in the position he plays. But something has been tweaked in the way he's playing 
and the fact that he's getting into the box to look for those opportunities, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a great post I saw on Twitter, I can't remember who it was from, but they said, if Gundogan was 10 million, everyone would be doing KDB to Gundogan. Mm. But because Gundogan is 5.5 or whatever he is, you don't know what to do with the extra money. So it it's easier to go from KDB to Sterling because you haven't got to worry about what to do with the rest. You don't want to have, you don't want to, someone to look at your team, but like, oh, that person's got 7 million in his bank. What a casual, a noob and all that. And, and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth in that. I think you can be put off by his price. I don't particularly like Gundogan, um, but if I was going to pick another City attacker, it would be him. I mean, look I at Pen- he, He's streaks ahead of everyone else. Penalty error touches, he's had as many as De Bruyne over the last seven games. But yeah. How? I know. I, I, like you just said I, he doesn't play. Like De Bruyne is supposed to be the one at the top of the 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 three, and he's supposed to be kind of towing the line. What, how is he getting so far off the pitch? Yeah, and it, it, it is obviously a tactical tweak in recent times because when you look at his historical data and what I've got here is a table that shows the last seven game weeks, thirteen to nineteen, um, and then we've also got his data for the game weeks before that, one to twelve, and then his data for previous seasons. And basically, for minutes per expected goal involvement, minutes per penny at area touch, minutes per shot, minutes per shot in the box, minutes per big chance, and minutes per chance created, he has recorded his best numbers ever since arriving in the Premier League over the last seven matches. So it's not just this season, but if you look back, even the season where he kind of broke into the team, got six goals, three assists, he is massively outperforming the data at that time as well. So something has been radically changed for the position he's taken up or the license he's been given to get into the box. That's clear. So the, the key question is, how does that change with De Bruyne around? Mm. Does he carry on in that role? Because if he does, if he carries on as it is now, superb option, the best, you know, best city player by far. If his up role changes and he's expected to come back deeper, dictate more, Bernardo Silva pushes up more in midfield, Foden comes in. That's what, that's what I I don't really know. And we haven't really got the time to assess it because the next fixtures are so good. You want him in sort of immediately. Yeah. But to counter that, although you're right, and, and really, ideally, we would get time to, I mean, and the thing is, we will have, you know, they've got a cup tie, right? So who knows? He might put a stronger team out. I doubt it. He's going to probably going to pay the kids. So that isn't going to help us, unfortunately. But to counter the fact that there could be a change in the way Gundogan plays, he will be on set pieces and he is going to be on penalties against three very weak teams at Sheffield United, West Brom, and uh, who is it? Sheffield United, West Brom and and Burnley, is it? Burnley, yeah. Okay, well, Burnley, maybe not a weak team given the way they played at Liverpool, but you still expect City to win those three games. You expect clean sheets and you expect them to score a few goals given that they're top of the defensive data and they're top of the attacking data. But they will be worse without De Bruyne. Yeah, and it's that's kind of constantly like... What degree? Off, what degrees it? of worse, though? That's the thing yeah. we don't know. And it is—is is that enough to go? Because you know, one of the obvious ploys is I'll go stones or triple up the city defence, and you're almost certain to get two clean sheets out of the next three, aren't you? Probably yep. going to get three, to be fair. So the points are in the bank there. The ceiling is lower. Arguably, Gundogan, having scored five goals in seven games, could outscore Stones over the next three. He could, but it's a safer bet to go Stones. But Gundogan's value, even and, he, and the key is his value, even when De Bruyne comes back, arguably you would keep him in. I think I'm going to get him. Do you? Even yeah, though that I mean, fa- the face, you're still going to the, fa- the face will annoy me. But 
Just pretend was... it's Bernardo Silva. <laughs> I think um I think it's interesting with um with Socek. He I do wonder if with Antonio back, whether Socek's gonna be as effective because does the style of play change a little bit? Do they need to lump balls forward? Do they need to get those crosses in as much? I mean, is he going to be the main target man with Antonio there who can kind of do damage? Um, and if Gundam is only a little bit more expensive than him, I do think maybe Suchek um, might go for me. So it might be Suchek to Gundogan mm. on the cards. It's just what the outstanding stat for me is that minutes per shot in the box. So over the last seven game weeks, he's had a shot in the box every 37 minutes. His best previous to that was in his first season, it was every 70.9 minutes. Last season, it was 130 minutes. The season before that, 155. The, the, the increase is massive. I know, it? yeah. And it's over sustained periods, seven weeks. So that is a definite tweak. Now, the question is, does he assume that role with De Bruyne not there? We don't know and we'll never know. We won't know until probably a couple of games in, maybe not even one game would be enough. But what we do know is on penalties. It's those pen. It's the yeah. it's the penalties. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're looking at paying more money for these premium picks just because they've got penalties. When you've got the insurance of penalties from a five point five million midfielder playing for City with decent stats, yeah, it, it feels like if we if neither of us got him in in four weeks, we'd be like, yeah, why the didn't we get the, the Gundogan in <laughs> weeks ago? Obviously, yeah. De Bruyne was out. It's yeah, it, it does it does seem like a bit of a no brainer to me. Um, okay. Let's oh, see. credit to David Mundy, by the way. David brought him in uh, for the double. That's why. Great move. Uh, okay, let's take these seriously. We'll get, we've got to get through them quickly because oh, we're, we're yeah. quite a way into this. But as they're getting logged, I'm going to think about these a bit more carefully, perhaps. Um, we'll come to you first then for this one. I'm not going to say my score. It's getting competitive already. It is. Palace versus West Ham. So Antonio back. Yeah. Palace indifferent, quite inconsistent. Zaha missing, and I think that makes a difference the way they play across the ball, mm-hmm. really. Um, they seem to even defend worse when Zaha's not there because they don't have that threat, that out ball. Um, I'm going to go 2-0 two, two West Ham. If you were coming to me first. No, I thought <laughs> I'd take it. Mind uh, I think Palace will score. Do you? This one, yeah. I, I think they... I, I, I saw a stat, I can't remember how many it was, but it's, it's like Palace have like scored against West Ham in like every game they've played forever that can't be it but yeah it, Palace do normally score against West Ham I'm going to go 2-1 2-1 West Ham okay West Ham's West Ham is good strong. though yeah really really good West Ham's defence strong and they've got they've got uh, with Antonio fit which he looks like he is I mean he's, every time he sprints for a ball though I'm like oh I'm tensing up. Let alone I know my hands go when he wants it. <laughs> I know. I, I feel it. I feel his pain. I saw it when he when he was bursting through. Yeah, he was like running after a ball. I was like, no, don't yeah, run. Just, yeah, no. Exactly. You wanted. To. I know it can go at any time. It's 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 a different level of anxiety watching Antonio with Antonio in your team. He'll um, be up there, by the way, Antonio next next season. Oh, he's, I hope so. Well, he got us those four goals last season. Let's see if he can yeah. do something. Eighteen points in a double game week. He's legend status. If only we'd have captured sure. him. Newcastle yep. leads. You're good at predicting lead scores. Now, away from home on a decent pitch. Hopefully, next time they play at home, it'll be better. I'll let you go first, Tim. Beautiful game for Leeds. They're going to bounce back. They're going to they're going to absolutely smash Newcastle. I, I think hope so. Newcastle are going to sit back. There's going to be a nice pitch. They're going to be like they're going to kick up the arse after the Bryant game. Three nil. Three nil Leeds. Don't think it'd be that. I. Mm. 2 0. I'll go. That's 2 2 nils for me. I look about Lawrenson. I'm going away wins, though. He never goes away wins. <laughs> 2 0 for Leeds for me. Uh, Southampton Arsenal. 
tricky to call. I mean, mm. in attacking terms, Southampton have offered very little recently. Uh, obviously, with Ings out, it's you know they they are kind of almost unit like, aren't they? They just haven't got that cutting edge. I can't rely on Walcott and Che Adams to provide it. Um, Ings is back, isn't he? I think is he going to be back? Is I he? think he is. Yeah, I think okay. that's how he is. So that makes training. a world of difference. Mm. Mm, it's easy to break down again. He's like Antonio, isn't he? Like he wouldn't. Okay, he's another player that we just can't buy because. He's never, you know, we want to get him. He would be a player we would consider. Do you think he'll get a move? There's lots of talk twice. of him getting a move to, to Chelsea or United or someone like that. He wants it, doesn't he? There's no smoke about fire. He deserves it. it. Which is a shame because, I, you know, I think Southampton done, took a chance on him and brought him through. And he's going to get in that England squad, I expect, on the back of his Southampton form. But uh, I will go with another away win here. Wow. And I'm going to go 1-0 Arsenal. I think this is this is probably a pretty safe draw. I think they'll probably both cancel each other out. One all I don't think either team's been amazing. I was really disappointed with Southampton against Leicester. I thought they would. Um, I predicted them to win that one, so that was one of my less good predictions. But we don't need to talk about that. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go for my my one one. My nice safe. Yeah, I mean, with Ings back, they sh- they will have more about them. But I just don't. I don't trust. Don't trust it until I see him. Out. I just put them, they're similar. They're just very, very similar standard. I think at the moment they're just. I, I don't see either one really uh, grabbing that game. Aubameyang two goals the other day. So who? Aubameyang. <laughs> <laughs> Niketia scored there last year. I think. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think Arsenal. I remember him. West Brom, Man City. You can only see these going well. As I said earlier, I prefer West Brom away than I do at home. I mean, they can absolutely capitulate can't they as they did against Leeds and while City aren't the goal machine that we perhaps have seen them as in the past seasons I think this could be a heavy victory I'm gonna go 3-0 oh wow really really heavy (laughs) maybe I'll go four then I'll go four I'll go go four four? yeah I don't know I think De Bruyne out is gonna affect City quite a lot and I'm not really sure. I don't think I don't think it's going to be massive. I'm just going to go for a two nil, a two nil C. Owenson, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Away team. Yeah, he would right. never predict West Brom to beat City. I, 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 if I was going to pick a, a four nil anywhere, it would have to be City West Brom. And you're right. We don't know what's going to happen without De Bruyne. It could go either way. I mean, mm. eighty twenty, it will affect them, and they won't. They'll struggle to score as they have done with him playing. But I don't know. I fancy. I mean, they won the league without him, so he's not. Like, yeah, and I fancy Sterling in this game. I really do. Yeah, I, think I know what you mean. Away from home against the worst defense in the league statistically, and I think West Brom like. I mean, they'll want to play, try and play a bit. I think at times. I don't think they'll be on the back foot from the off. I think they will try and offer something. I think they'll get caught like they did against Leeds. Anyway, I'll go. For, I'll stick with with Ford. everyone bringing in Diaz and Stones. It's they're definitely going to score West Brom. Ajay. You can just see it. Ajayi set piece, yeah. three goals so yeah. far. We, we tipped him. We tipped him. He's he's actually someone I'm for a cheeky couple of game weeks um punt when they've got two good home games coming. I think they've got let's have a quick look. I think they've got uh West Brom, who are their fixtures they've got after this? Yeah, they've got Fulham and Sheffield United, 21 and 22. Ajayi for those two could be worth a go. Could be. There you go. Be better than Johnston. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it will be. Uh, I might double up on West Brom. Uh, Burnley versus Villa. I'm going to go with a one-all. Interesting. Yeah, special. Mm. Uh, I think Villa will win it. 
I, I wasn't impressed with Burnley. I mean, Burnley defended well, but I don't know. They're just, I don't like watching them. Um, Villa, I thought Villa defended really well against City. Mm. I think they were, they were unlucky with that offside thing. I, I had such a weird rule. We talked about it with a few people. I, I kind of, I kind of do blame Mings, but also yeah. think it's really harsh <laughs> on, on what happened with. But he knew the, he was there and he controlled yeah. it, and he didn't have to. Right, and, and I think he is at fault. But it is a strange rule. But it is a very and, and they say like, rule. oh, nobody knows. If you're a Premier League centre back, you know that bloody rule. Right? Yeah, you don't. You know that that's like fundamental to your role in the team. You need to know that rule. That if and a if player's you don't, going, yeah, why you, don't you know that rule? <laughs> uh, there are pundits going, "Oh, the players are confused. They don't know. The, they bloody well should know the rules. They've got yeah. a bit of time to look into the rules before they go onto the pitch before the season starts to learn what the rules are." So he did know what was going on. He it's just, just weird that a, a completely offside player can make a defender yeah, panic thing. when they're offside. They shouldn't be having any say in what the defender does. So the defender knows he can't take a touch because mm. there's an offside player, but he shouldn't have to think that because they're no, clearly offside. No, I, I agree. And it's and it's kind of like almost a bad sportsmanship thing, isn't it? Yeah, but it is. Yeah, shouldn't. Uh, I'll go for a 2-0 Villa in this one. I think okay. I think Villa are going to win it. Win it easily. I mean, I think they'll offer plenty in attack. I think Pope will make a few saves here. Uh, it's too much to ask for 1-0, I'll go, but I'll stick with 1-1. Chelsea Wolves, both teams in dire form. Oh, God. It's such an awful-looking game. It's going to probably mm. be quite good. I don't see that. I just think they're going to be both so anxious. I mean, Wolves can't afford another defeat because they could, if they're not careful, drop into a fight here. Um, if if Fulham get if Fulham get a result of Brighton, then it starts getting anxious for for Wolves. Um, I will go nil nil. I might go with Bro Tyne on the chat, which is a one nil Wolves match and Lampard sacked <laughs> straight after the game. I think that's a I think that that could happen. FBL Pot Noodle. If Lampard doesn't get sacked, even if As does get the score right, he gets that wrong because he, he, he's bitty. He <laughs> but if I get it Lampard's right, I get there. triple points. Wow, <laughs> he submitted the Lampard sacking as part of the prediction. Therefore, he cannot get it right if it stays. I'm going to go with a one. I'm going to go with a one right. Wolves. And Brighton versus Fulham. Fulham are going to beat you. Wouldn't surprise me by two goals to one. Wouldn't surprise me. I like Fulham. I like oh. Fulham. Mm. I really like them. I thought, I thought they were brilliant in both games. Um, I think this, I honestly, I actually genuinely think this could be a really good match. Mm. I think if you're, if you're watching, looking at a match to watch, amazingly, I think this could be, this could be really good. I'm going to go for 1-1. Um, I think, I think both teams are capable of, of winning it. I'm not really sure which way it will go. So I'll, um, I'll play safe. Okay. Everton, I like Fulham though. I, I, I honestly yeah, yeah. do. Oh yeah, that light leads. I think they they're now playing the kind of football that have brought something new to the Premier League, which is really good. Um, I like seeing the promoted teams do that because it's it's fresh, isn't it? I mean, Sheffield United did it to an extent. They came up with a different brand of football and got were involved in some good games. Less so this season, but Fulham definitely are a team worth watching now. Uh, Everton versus Leicester. I you've got to tip Leicester, and and I I mean I'm struggling not to play James Justin here because I think they could keep a clean sheet but Calvert-Lewin is back and that is that's making me think that Everton could score but I will still go with another 2-0 this time to Leicester 
Just a quick message on, on the chat. Prashant Satchev says, Mark and I, I don't know if you've... I just wanted to say you've helped me so much with anxiety and borderline depression. I love hearing you talk. Wow. Thank you. Blimey. That's, That's a really nice you, message. And, and your so, mic has dropped out there. You've gone on to the... As we said that, your mic, you've gone on to the headphones mic, I think. Oh. Yeah, that's better. That's funny. They just shifted yeah, to your headphones away. Well, that's that's yeah, I don't know why. that's good to know that we're. It's, it's a nice message, though, right? It is, and we said we've said before that it's surprising how much FBL and FBL content means to people. Like we play it as a game, and you see a lot of people on Twitter. And I know we're going to go off on the tangent here. So a lot of people, it's only a game, but actually, to a lot of people, including myself and you, as it's a bit more than that. And yeah, yeah. you know, I, I I do feel escape, isn't it? Yeah, it is absolutely. So you know, I. It, that's why when people go, oh well, sharing your scores, it, it people should be, you know, it should be water for ducks back, and you, you know, you, it shouldn't affect people, but it does because for some people it is more than just a game, right? So, mm. and and comments like that when you get them uh, are humbling, and it makes you realise that to a lot of people, what we do and what FBL do is is a big thing to people. It certainly is to me, and all and all the content, all you know, all the people. Yeah. doing amazing content stuff like absolutely you know i mean when i when i posted that message about um you know being a bit down the the, the response i got from people saying you know in hospital beds listening to listening to podcasts not just us but just in general like it's yeah mm-hmm. it's it's a nice um yeah, it's a nice position to be in for us to be making some dent in in people's um you know happiness and stuff in this, During weird, this time <laughs> weird absolutely. time yeah. uh where were we so uh, i think everything are gonna win though do you I'm going to back Everton. All right. Yeah. I think Vardy's a big miss. I think Everton are strong and they're getting players back. Calvert-Lewin's back in training. They are. The Rodriguez boys are back in town. Yeah. Dean's back. The boys are back in town. Um, yeah, I, think, I just think they're going to have a bit too much for Leicester. I think they're going to win it 2-0. <laughs> 2-0, that seems, a bit, that seems a bit extreme. Leicester will score. Oh, I'll stand by it. 2-0. All right. United, Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United will put up a fight, but I can't see them scoring or stopping United here. Um, I think I'm going to have to go a 3-0. It's hard to argue with that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think, I'll, I think I'll join you. But I think it'll be one of those games where, unless United score first, it'll be a bit of a struggle first half and they'll get a couple of late goals to make it more emphatic. I don't... Don't think it'll watch like a three 0 but it'll end up like that. Is my prediction? There's there. no Egan as well, is there for Sheffield United? Is he out? Is he? I think so. I think this is this is the, this is if you're looking at players to bring in, if you're looking for something a bit different, if you've got injuries to Vardy and and De Bruyne, I think going in hard on United for the run they've got and particularly for this game is a good strategy. Rashford and Cavani in for Vardy and De Bruyne. Yeah, pretty pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and the, yeah, they've got a good. It's, it's just getting the right United player, like you said. Fernandez isn't hogging the points; uh, they are getting shared about, and it could be you just get the wrong one. It could be Martial's turn or whatever. It's it's difficult to know. And if only we knew if Cavani is a regular starter as well. Uh, Spurs versus Liverpool, the final fixture. It's a cracker, but the form Liverpool are in. It's hard to bat them, isn't it? Yep. Very interested to know how you're going to go here. I'm going to go with a 1 0 Spurs. I'm going to back Spurs as well. Mm. I think Spurs haven't been great, but they've been grinding out some wins and then doing. They've, been, they've looked okay in the games I've seen. 
Liverpool just aren't. And I just think Spurs are going to capitalise on it. They, they, Liverpool have got mistakes in them at the back. Yeah. And that is going to suit Spurs down to the ground. 2-1 Spurs. I yeah. think Liverpool will score. I think they'll get a goal. But I think it'll be a good game. Please be a good game. I can't bear to watch another like big game and it'd be crap. But it just seems to happen. All That United-Liverpool game. Oh my God. It was so bad. I can't. They can't. It's so keep predictable, doing this. wasn't it? I mean, the thing is, United turned up on the back foot. They did what Spurs did, didn't they? They just went, well, break us down, which was a shame because United have enough, had enough to hurt yeah. um, Liverpool. Um, whereas obviously Spurs are much more reliant on two players. United have threat everywhere at the moment and they should have won it. Um, the, I mean, this is Marino owes Liverpool one. There was a bit of beef after the game, wasn't there, at Anfield, if you remember. Spurs, Liverpool won it late with the Firmino goal. So I think Marino will go into this thinking, I want to, well, he, he definitely wants to win the game, obviously, but I think there's a bit of beef in the previous encounter. And I think it'll be a narrow win for them. So we're both back in Spurs then. So yep. Pop Noodle, I hope you got all that down. Um, I'm nervous about logging these, though, really. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure he'll put stuff on Twitter afterwards and embarrass us both. Uh, this is your team, as I think yep. it looks pretty solid. I mean, you haven't got the De Bruyne problem. You. You've got Son in there. There's no, you know, Robertson, Cancelo, Stones and Souffle at the back. Martinez, <laughs> Martinez away at Burnley, which could be a clean sheet as well. I'm looking at your bench and thinking, would I play Adams over Souffle? Probably not. I think that's right. I think what you got, have you made your transfer there? Stones? I made, so I made my transfer as soon as, pretty much as soon as Stones scored those two goals and the game ended. Uh, I did I did Trent to Stones. I thought, you know, this whole points over pounds thing, I, I hate it. Uh, I thought Stones is going to get a triple rise here. He, he's going to go from five to five. But he's already gone up one. He's probably going to go up another one tonight. I wouldn't be surprised him go up another one um, before the why, end of the week. Why worry about team value, especially now when we've got money to spend? Well, that was before De Bruyne got injured, yeah. wasn't it? I didn't, you know, it was... I kind of had plans to bring him in, if, any, if anything, for the run he had. So I thought I needed the money. Uh, I don't regret it. I'm, I'm happy with Stones. I don't. Re- I think I'm happy with Stones over Diaz. I still think there's not going to be that much in it. Um, I do think, though, that I might uh, do Socek to Gundogan and bench Souffle. Right. Just because I need someone a bit different. Yeah. I need, I'm going to, City seem a good team to target. The stats you presented today are great. He's on the pens. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, why not? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attacking City midfielder over a. a Will that be for a hit? That'd be for a four point hit, yeah. Okay, interesting. South check. Would you, would, you, would you just keep Souffle then? Uh, defender, I don't know. Defender. Well, it's just getting rid of South check, which is the, the difficult thing. Because I think it's too early to go, oh, well, with Antonio playing, he's not going to get the opportunities. I think that could be a theory, but it's all it is. There is some reason to it, though. I think over the next few weeks, I want to drop Socek and Rafina and bring in either Madison or Grealish and Gundogan. Because I think, okay, take Madison. Madison and Gundogan should outscore Rafina and Socek. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, yeah, and I want to play. Um, I want to play five in midfield. Okay, right. so that's that's the reason. Sochi's done nothing wrong. I just mm. think I just think this might be the time to do it because Antonio's back, mm. um, and we've now got other options, sort of, you know, in in midfield now. So I think that's that's probably how I'm going to go. At least if I do the Gundogan move now, 
it means that, you know, it's not going to be like a minus eight or something next week. Yeah. And also, I mean, looking at West Ham's fixtures, I don't think they're particularly strong, are they? Um, well, they're not too bad. I mean, they've got Liverpool game week 21 at home, Villa away. So that's tough. Fulham, Sheffield United and Tottenham. It's a mixed bag, isn't it, of the next six game weeks, I guess. Um, so do you- the worst team in the league for set piece goals considered. Yeah. So you're going into that game without Salchek in that game. Is that food yeah, and food? I don't know. How much How much can he hurt? You're very good <laughs> at picking him for my team, though. You I'm not get feeling it, right. it, Mark. I'm not feeling him this Okay. Week. All right. <laughs> there you go. That's my advice for you. Okay. Uh, here's my team at the moment. He plays for me at the moment um, for that reason, that I think he'll be a problem to them on set plays. Um, but that means James Justin on the bench. Now, the, I haven't made my transfer yet. And I was fully prepared to get Trent out, like you said, for a cheaper defender. Um, and then I was going to um, probably upgrade Rafina. I was even looking at you know Grealish or Madison with Trent down to Reese James. That was before the KDB injury. That was before Chelsea were miserable at Leicester. Now I'm thinking, right, okay, well KDB's got to go because he's going to drop value like a like a stone in the next few game weeks. And like you, I'm now thinking Gundogan is the answer because he's a player that I would maybe even want to keep him when De Bruyne is back, given the numbers he's been producing. But the lure Trent going, sticks out there, Mark. Yeah, I know. The lure of going stones in for Trent. So it's going to be, I'm going to take a hit, because obviously 127 points in the game week, it was a strong game week, and I want to ride that out and spend four points and back myself to make two good calls. But I don't know where I'm going yet. There's so many options. And as I said at the top of the show, this is a game week where you can... Take a punt and actually it feels like damage. It, isn't it? Yeah, the damage mm. you'll suffer will be minimal. It should be, or it should be less than in a week where you're turning your back on a heavy hitter. So I, I'm looking at Madison. I'm looking at uh, Barnes. I'm looking at uh, Barnes. I'm looking at Barnes, Sterling. I think he's good. Yeah, I'm looking at Sterling as well. I'm thinking Sterling at West Brom, get him in and captain him. But I've done that before and it stung me. That's a huge risk, but it's. What damage would I do if he, you know, if he didn't start, it would be bad. But I think he will. I think he will start. And I just fancy him in that game. So something's telling me that I could go there. I don't know. I have two questions for you. Mm. One is why Socek over Souffle? Uh, Because I think West Ham win this game. I think I predicted a 2-0. Yeah, it's usually the clean sheet. So... Yeah, true, but I've, I've, I, I just feel like it's a Southchek game, and I'm not yet convinced. But you've you've got a bad such a record. radar. I have, yeah, record. I, I, that is true. I just, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it probably will be if I probably will be James Justin in over Souffal, really. I would say. So that's my second. My second question is: Do you really need to take a hit when you've got such a good bench? No, I don't. Because even Rodrigo at, at Newcastle isn't a bad shout. Newcastle are awful. I don't. It's just benching Trent seems wrong right the money invested in Trent and yet of my defenders Justin Soufau and Trent arguably Trent's the one I should bench and that yeah. just feels I, I it's feel weird isn't it yeah I, I just feel like and I did you see it. did you see though he's he had the record this season for the amount of times giving the ball away and the record he broke was his own record against Newcastle two or three weeks ago yeah but to be in his defense <sighs> that is because he throws in countless crosses so he's not he's not getting tackled and giving the ball away he's not making passes every cross is crap it's crosses yeah i know right <laughs> i know that but it's 
I think he put, we saw earlier in the season, he puts the ball into the box more than any other player in the Premier League, right? So that's... But it's that good, it's like when Arteta was like, um, you know, oh, Arsenal, statistically, we put the most crosses into the box, so we should score the most goals. Oh, that's not really how it works, though, is it? Like, you're just putting crosses into a ball where the defenders easily deal with it. It's not exactly yeah. a great... Um, just to sh- just to say to uh, Desmondo95, um, I'm calling him Souffle because of an excellent pod by Triggerlips on Twitter. Yeah, that's why. Uh, in which he jokingly referred to him <laughs> as Souffle. This isn't actually one of our really bad pronunciations. No, it, it, it was an inside and, joke. And the, tr- <laughs> the, trigger, the Triggerlips uh, uh, podcast is the antithesis of ours in that we've gone on for over two hours here. Triggerlips knocks out quality stuff in seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> A quality stuff is a bit of a stretch. But, yeah, it's, but it's, 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 com- it's comedy gold, some of the stuff. It is, know. sometimes it is. It really is, it really is. And uh, this week was particularly good. Um, but yes, I don't really know what I'm doing yet. I mean, it's good. I mean, yeah, the game week starts on Tuesday. Um, but I want I want to get Trent out and take a hit and do something with the money. But, but when the KDB injury came in, it kind of means mm. I don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah, tricky. So it is It is a change for me. So I will tweet, of course, what I'm going to end up doing. The game week is on Tuesday. We won't do another stream before then, unfortunately, but I will put on Twitter what I'm doing. But I, I mean, I'm, I could do nothing or I could make some radical changes and take some risks. And it's Ooh. probably going to be the latter. I probably will make a punt. Subscribe to our Patreon. Find out what Mark's doing. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, captains, just briefly. We both got it on Fernandes, but obviously with Vardy and De Bruyne dropping out, those are two of the five players we normally hit on for the Matrix. Um, and looking ahead now, it's looking pretty bare. Um, and what's what's making me think about Son for this week, which would be a very dull move, is the fact that in game week 21, we have got Fernandes at Arsenal now or Salah at West Ham if we don't have a Spurs player. And that's a bit of a concern. So I'm kind of thinking that's a factor in my decision this week in that I really do probably need a Spurs player at Brighton as a captain candidate, given that otherwise I'm backing Fernandez against an improved Arsenal defence and Salah, who's out of form against a very improved West Ham defence. Difficult, that. Counterpoint to that, though, mm. is that I actually think that week is a really good week to gamble on, on, a, on a captain rather than yeah, you know, just be. bringing in someone. Because I don't think spurs Brian. I don't think that's going to be a massive, a massive Spurs win. Um, I think we, you know, we should we should hold our own against them. I'm looking at Leicester Leeds and looking at Barnes or, or Madison, which is why I'm really interested to see what happens to Leicester in this game against Everton. Because if they stick Barnes up front and win, and it looks like he's going to play, he's going to come straight into my team and be captain. You'd make Barnes captain, would you, for Leicester? I Leeds? would do. I'd make him. I'd make it. Yeah. I'd make him captain if he if he's playing up front against Leeds. He'd be my captain over Son away at Brighton for sure. The other one though is Everton Newcastle. Calvert-Lewin. Maybe. If he's back, if he's got Dean back, if he's got Rodriguez back, they're playing Newcastle, who look completely out of sorts, I think he's another good captain option as well. So it might be time to roll the dice that week. So all I would say is when you're considering your transfer this week, look ahead to 21 and the captain. Yeah. Because I think it is definitely very good. a factor. Good um, advice. Because otherwise you're going to end up getting into 21 and going, I don't really fancy Fernandez or Salah, and they might be the only two strong candidates you've got. So just bear that in mind. Looking ahead beyond that, we've got Salah in 22 at home to Brighton when probably we might well end up going to Fernandes instead, depending on how Liverpool... Liverpool got to come out of this, haven't they? 22 is a tricky week it is. as well. I mean, that is tough now because De, De Bruyne was in here for these, right? Mm. Now, 
I don't think there's a city candidate you would trust. So City are kind of a no-go for the captaincy, aren't they? A defender? Cancelo? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in a double game week, you're back a defender, but I don't know about you doing it in a single. It's 20 points is coming, Mark. Yeah. So tricky. I mean, the Matrix is something you've got to take care of going forward now. We've got De Bruyne and Vardy out of the equation. For this week, Salah's got the best numbers in terms of minutes per expected goal involvement on penalties out on top amongst our candidates, which are Fernandez, Kane, Son and Sterling. Um, it's Fernandez, though, for me. Um, because you're very, very, very brave if you're taking it off Fernandez for someone else, yeah. I think. The only Everything thing that would tempt me is Sterling. And the reason why I look at Sterling is those West Brom numbers. If you look at the defensive data we've got on our table here, for both over the season and the last four matches, West Brom are by far the most inferior defence on offer out of the opposition for the captain candidates. So West Brom's defence over the last four games expected goals every 42.4 minutes. So they're expected to concede two goals a game based on their last four. And if you track it over the season, it's 49.6. So it's no better. So basically, West Brom go into every game expected to concede two goals and they're playing Man City. Oh, we are without De Bruyne, but even so, if they're expected to concede two goals in every game, you've got to I'm think... I know. Would, would you go captaincy? You can't go captaincy on him, can you? Sterling, well, you could. Everything you've presented tonight suggests Maybe. that you can. Everything you've presented tonight suggests Gundogan over Sterling. Maybe. Do I trust Sterling? No. Do I trust Gundogan with penalties? Probably. Got to get one though, haven't they? I just, I just like Sterling in this game and I just wonder whether I'm going to risk it for that one game. Um, I think it, I think it's the same thing as I said earlier. I think if Sterling and Gundogan were the same price, you'd be picking Gundogan. Right. Good thing, yeah. Very good point. Very good point. And Sterling has hurt us before, but it's just that West Brom data, which is... It's, I mean, Sheffield United have come on recently. If you look at their last four matches they've actually done better than Spurs for minutes per expected goal conceded non-penalty. So they've been expected goal every 112 minutes compared to Spurs' 91.4. So Sheffield United's defence has been stronger. And that's why, even though United are at home to Sheffield United and it's a game where we're all lumping on Fernandes, I don't think it'll watch like an emphatic win for United. It might end up like that, but I think it'll be a struggle. But Fernandes is the safe bet. Are you going there? Are you going Fernandes? You had it on him just now when I don't know. Him. I mean, um, he he's the he's the obvious choice, but the fact he's such an obvious choice and he's not in the best form ever might be that he he there might be other ways to go. And I'm I'm almost talking myself into a different kind of captain in in either Cancelo or or Gundogan because I think I'm looking at the potential wise, and I just think that City game has the potential to be yeah. to be the biggest. And I I don't particularly like you know. Chevy United, as because they've been awful. But if I'm looking, like you said in your predictions, if you're backing a team to win four or five nil, it's, it's going to be City, right? Um, but what I we don't, don't know. know, what we don't know, is how missing De Bruyne is going to affect them. How they're going to set up, and how much attacking potential they're going to have without him. So that's a big unknown, isn't it? That's the trouble. It feels like Cancelo is like an almost guaranteed six points minimum. Yeah. Especially if he doesn't play in the cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd think. I captained um, Babariero in the in Champman. 
Hello, that Mark. doesn't count as. Not <laughs> since <it>? time. <laughs> Marcus Alonso and Leighton Baines are the only two defenders I've captained. Arguably, Cancelo has as much attacking mm. promise as those two. Certainly as as Baines, maybe Alonso as well. So, don't know. It's tempting. Fernandez is the obvious pick, but I'm tempted by something a bit different. Right now, it's on Fernandez, but I will, I will talk to Twitter and let you know, and I will let you know what Savert is on yep. as well. Um, so yes, we haven't made our decisions yet, but then it is three days before the deadline, and that's why we haven't done that yet. A lot can change in three days, as we've seen, Lord knows, over Christmas. But let's hope all games go ahead. Game week twenty, and uh, I guess we'll be back either Wednesday or Thursday, probably Thursday, mm. because then more games would have played and we'd have more back to look back on. But that is our longest show we've ever done there straight away. But then that's what wow. you expect. We did look back over quite a lot of data there over the season. And uh, we did look into Aziz's team. And we can talk about Aziz's team forever, but we should. <laughs> yeah, it was nicely. Um, I asked the question in the chat after after we did my, this segment. I said, you know, was that kind of, did people enjoy that? And the response was really positive. So, like, like, you know, looking at my pain and reflecting on it, I think what, what we've got is quite a nice. Um, difference it's nice to be hearing from you you're you know 60k in the world obviously flying really high then you've got me who's trying to fight my way back up to the you know to the higher rank so you've kind of got different two different perspectives i might feel like i need to do a bit more ballsy calls and be you know whereas you can play a bit safer so you kind of got two different perspectives mm. um, so hopefully that's kind of coming Plus, across you've got chips to play later in the season that yes. i won't have so we'll have that as well so that's interesting that's going to be an interesting twist the way you approach game week 26 would be different to me mm-hmm. i expect yeah um and we'll probably play our triple captain at a different time and we'll have god no we'll have a lot of double game weeks to play it in i expect so yeah we'll see how that goes it's just over to you to smash and like yeah so we've got 1384 people watching now uh just want to say thanks for tuning in on a friday night uh, i don't know where else you'd be but it's nice that you chose to spend Friday night with well, us. Wolves are playing surely, weren't they? I wonder what's going. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know how that ended. Five all draw. I'm going to go for a one nil Wolves. Oh, that doesn't count one either. Nil, one nil Wolves. That doesn't count either. FBL noodle. Uh, score, so as if it was actually one nil. I knew it would be one nil. Um, they did stop it, but yeah, uh, like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, it does really help us grow the channel. Um, as I say every week. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week. Good luck in uh, the midweek game weeks. It's a good night for me. Good night, Bob. Podcast Network.